Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Weldy and Andrew here for another uh, week of Husky Hockey recaps and previews. Uh, we got a uh, barn burner of a recap here to uh, to go over with uh, North Dakota. Lovely fighting Hawks coming into town. Uh, could have been a better weekend for the Huskies uh, when it comes to the scoreboards. Uh, five to three loss on Friday, a three to three tie on Saturday. They did pick up the extra point in the shootout. A little bit of a reversal from the Bob Motzko days when we wouldn't be able to buy a shootout goal. Um and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about the women. St. Thomas says their quest for home ice hits a big speed bump um, after a three to one victory and and then a five to one loss, um, three empty netters. But still, that's um, something that uh, is going to be a big hurdle uh, losing and uh, to try to make up those points. But uh, let's uh, kick off here with the uh, North Dakota series and uh, starting it off. And I'm, I'm just going to come in with, you know, kind of a spit. Uh, you know, kind of a hot fire, spitfire take. I, I'm not impressed with North Dakota and I'll just say it. Uh, I don't, I, it's, it's not that I don't think they were that good per se, but you look at them three in the pairwise and what haven't lost in regulation and how long, God, they were lucky to get out uh, of the, uh, of the herb with, uh, without a loss uh, hanging on there. And I think it was a little bit more of, uh, some problems with the Huskies than how good North Dakota is. And I really want to see them later in the season. Cause I think we're going to handle, hand it to them uh, later on. I, I wish I could be more confident. It's um, I mean, I agree that I wasn't necessarily blown away by North Dakota this weekend, but I was, I guess what overtook that emotion was, that these are two games that really got away from the Huskies. And I I was more disappointed in the lack of not just getting one win. You could have won both of these games. Uh, I think, yeah, St. Cloud had the better of North Dakota overall in the weekend on five on five. And I just, it was especially, I mean, especially Saturday when you had, three separate one goal leads in that game to let that slip away in the last couple of goals being some defensive lapses and some ugly yeah. goals for, for North Dakota. But even on Friday, I thought I mean, there was that one stretch in the first period on Friday where North Dakota controlled play in their zone offensive zone for an extended period. But other than that, I thought St. Cloud really kind of dictated play and dictated possession, but they just weren't able to convert on the chances and, North Dakota was able to pounce on the, on the mistakes that St. Cloud made. And so overall a frustrating weekend because uh, certainly should have gotten a three pointer out of one of these two games and very easily could have, could have gotten the majority or if not six points this weekend. I think if you just cleaned up things a little bit better, we'll, we'll get into all what went wrong, but there was a lot, a lot to analyze. And I, they were entertaining games, I, I think, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, frustrating. An extension from last Saturday in Denver, where I think you played well enough to win that game, if not for some bad mistakes and some 
hopefully areas of the game where you can clean things up. I don't think that all is lost and you have been able to salvage some points in the last two weekends, but not getting a full win, uh, you know, definitely puts a, a crimp, crimp in the, uh, in the ability to win the Penrose, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but more than that, it's just the ability to put teams away of this caliber. Um, I'm not completely sold that St. Cloud is, uh, how well they're going to do in that task. And if this is a team that we're thinking has NCAA aspirations, you know, these are the types of teams that you're going to have to play in the postseason. and, you know, getting close, but not, quite getting over the hump against these teams. It's not going to, you don't really get the, uh, the uh, points for trying when it comes to NCAA time. So I hope that this team can learn from these games, but certainly some things to clean up and I suppose we can get into that. And that's where maybe I'm a little bit, why I'm a little bit more optimistic is because yeah, minus some defensive lapses and, you know, goaltending where Bassey's glove has to make a save. Uh, we're taking away six points this weekend. They'll like flat out. Um, that's just kind of what I look at that it that it comes down to, and that that that's maybe why it's a little bit frustrating because if you go back to prior to the Denver series when I was talking about how the strength of this team is really in their defense, I think. I, I think that aggressiveness and the speed that these two teams have played with really showed some of the gaps in the defensive spacing that they live in the lanes that, you know, they were able to make that, that seeing eye pass through our defense and able to, to create some of those chances and ended up in the back of the net. If we clean those up, like I said, if we just need to clean those up and then I, I think we're going to be good, you know, for the rest of the season and able to make a run. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, proving that you can make those adjustments is going to be key here coming down the stretch. I agree with that. I, I think I would have, I think we both said at the beginning of the season that we thought defense was the strength of this team. To this point, I can say that as a unit, the defense has been sort of a letdown from what we had expectations for. But I would say for me, the more troubling unit right now is goaltending. And with Bassey and sounds like this weekend, Posh was not available, according to the radio guys who said that he suffered some sort of injury, upper body injury, Yep. which Larson said on his radio show that it was uh, during the save uh, last game, some save during the third person, third period tweaked an upper body injury and said he's week to week. Um, So it sounds like he's probably not going to be available for Omaha, which I think it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I was after the first period on Friday, a, I was like, let's, bummer, let's man. get pot. Let's get posh in this game. Like let's pull him now instead of like giving up a third goal and then pulling Bassey. But then that's kind of when I learned that posh was not available. Who knows what the health of James gray is, but you're really not going to go to an unproven guy who's never seen an actual game in college at this point. So we might be stuck with Bassey and, that doesn't give me any confidence at all. No. And so I agree the defense needs to be shored up, particularly on Saturday. The last two goals were just kind of like <laughs> you're tearing your hair out. Just like, how are these goals getting in? I know the first one's Ewart's 
trying to make a play and it's kind of a lucky bounce for North Dakota. The second one is just how, how many chances to get that puck out of zone and somehow it squirt, squirts in and that being the game time goal is a real backbreaker, but it's uh, I don't know. Um, Bassey's numbers are okay. I mean, they're better than persons. If I'll agree with anything that you said about North Dakota this week, I am just really not impressed with person. Uh, I thought he was a, a rebound machine on Friday. And the fact that St. Cloud wasn't able to take advantage of more of those opportunities was another reason that they failed to uh, win one of these games this weekend, cleaned up some of the trash, but not enough of it. And for his, for his benefit in contrast to Bassey, because I thought both goalies kind of played poorly on Friday person was just less bad. And, uh, and to his to his credit, he made more first saves. There was a couple that Bassey didn't make the first save. Four of them, namely, um, and all whizzing by uh, up top, which is, uh, I think, a common theme yeah, of, of I, this show. I think we've pointed that, that out a couple of times. I will give him a pass on that last one um, from Cameron Burke because that, that, again, spacing and covering lanes and whatnot for the defense that went by three Huskies that pass um, for, you know, to get Cameron Berg, who was, you know, one of their top goal scorers. Uh, Coons was able to make a nice play, you know, to kind of get back on his forehand, pull it back, find a lane. But I mean, that pass can't be made. Um, so I'll give Bassie a pass on that one. Um, sure. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm done giving passes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bassie made some good saves too. Sure. Overall, he played poorly. Yeah. And he was the main reason that they lost. And so it's a, it's a, I think a trouble spot at this point, especially if he's uh, the ride or die at this point. Hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, four goals on 16 shots is just not, not going to do it. Gonna cut it. Yeah, not exactly. Gonna cut it. I, I do agree. Also, Pearson was, I, I think crowned a little bit too much um, when talking about how many magnificent saves that he made. Cause Superman. I mean, I, yeah. And it was just like, you know, you you can give him the one on Werner um, that two on one uh, at the Which same time, he helped Ver- him out by flinging it right into his glove. Yeah. You got to get that elevated uh, a, a little bit. You, you can't uh, keep that shot low on a one timer. Uh, but the two other saves that everyone was saying that he was standing on his head and whatnot, I, I think one was Sulquist and Hall, maybe Clark. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but there were two of them, one in the first and then one in the second, um, that you know we had no angle at. So so you're off to the side with no angle, and then all all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you're you know, person's you know, glove and whatnot is there covering a good portion considering the no angle that you get to shoot at it's it is what it is i mean it's like yeah he was there to make a save but you didn't have a lot to shoot at and you're under pressure and everything along those lines so it's like i don't know like i didn't think person was that good i still don't think he's that good i think still think he's an overrated goaltender i don't think north dakota is as as good as their pairwise um seems to indicate uh, I, I thought, like you said, like we said, the Huskies were able to control a majority of the play. We were able to enter the zone fairly easily, um, and they were really passive, which I thought was really surprising. I, like Denver really caused us trouble by an aggressive forecheck, 
And North Dakota a little bit more was just kind of playing a one, two, two passive. And we were able to enter the zone fairly easily and, you know, create some chances, but I don't know. It it was just that that there was no instance of like, I'm really worried about this North Dakota team. And again, even, even though we did only get two points on the weekend, I'd like another crack at them. Yeah. I think it's, it's really that top line. I mean, I guess that, that Berg too, his line was, was tough for the Huskies this weekend with some, some key goals. But um, yeah, we mentioned last weekend, one of the best teams in the country as far as preventing shots, um, North Dakota, I think like averaging 24 shots a game, somewhere in that ballpark. Huskies with 37 and 35 shots in these games. One of them was in overtime, but I believe the Huskies only got one shot in that overtime that session. only so, shot in overtime, yeah. I mean, so they, they were generating more offense and more sustained pressure than North Dakota generally has seen all year. And again, I agree that that gives me some hope that you, you do stack up to this team um, somewhat favorably. But then I look at the results here and said, well, yeah, it's two winnable games and you didn't win one of them. And so it's more St. Cloud shooting themselves in the foot than it is me being completely wowed by North Dakota. But it's just, you never were able to pull, put them away. The second or the set, yeah, the second game, the first goal that St. Cloud scores, what is it, nine seconds later? I think nine, it was. Nine, nine, it was. Uh, Blake walks down and, and ties it. And again, getting up two to one and three to two, both of those leads being in the third period, weren't able to hold those leads as well. Uh, and so it just, it was a frustrating weekend, even though it could have certainly been worse, uh, but um, could have been a lot better as well. And as a result, you're tied top pairwise, although North Dakota holds a tiebreaker. And so squandered first place. Uh, the season's not done, though. It's similar to what I'm going to say about the Huskies women's team here as well. Not a good weekend for them either. And it's it's caused me to lose confidence in their ability to let's say make the NCAA tournament, but there is still enough time and there's still the opportunity with the schedule ahead for both men and the women that this team, these teams can still not only make the tournament, but have a decent run in said tournament. So I'm not giving up complete hope. I just, I feel that we're close. It's just like, there's a, a finishing aspect that this team is missing and let's hope that they get it quickly because we should too say, I mean, it's two weekends in a row with Denver and North Dakota. Yes, you're clearly a little down on North Dakota, but looking at the pairwise, these are two high pairwise teams. And so the fact that you're able to go to overtime in, in two of these games and at least the one Denver game got away from it, but the other, the other uh, loss in there too, that was a competitive game as well. I mean, you're, you're playing with these teams. It's just, it's just something else, something, either one unit, like you're mentioning some defensive lapses, if it's the goaltending, if it's power play continuing to struggle, um, whatever the case may be, it's just something's off, but I think they're close. So I'm going to still maintain some optimism, but there are some troubling signs and let's hope we can see some improvement from those trouble spots in weeks to come. So we've got, you know, I touched on, you know, the first goal on Friday, a Pike's goal right off the face off. You know, it was that one was just frustrating and a backbreaker. Yeah, right now, now, now you were you were at the game on Friday. Yeah. 
Yep, Correct. I was at the. Yep, I was standing above section 103 on Friday. Um, is where I. Uh, so you would have been pretty close to the Pike goal. Correct. Yep. On that side of the ice, because the TV feed, they missed it. Yep. Because they were doing a, a replay, and so and even their their replay of the goal, it was like from the back, uh, one of the a bad angle. So I couldn't really tell. Just kind of like a harmless looking shot. What what went on there? If you can, if you, I'm, I'm sure you had a better angle that it than I did. I, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was obviously a set play, but um, you know, McLaughlin won the face off to Blake, who passed it back to Pike, and just Pike just corked a shot, and it was just able to seeing eye shot. It was able to get through through a little bit of traffic. Um, but I tweeted out that I think Bassey goes down before the shot even came. It was like he's he, doing that like, several times throughout the game, and it, it was like all of a sudden it was because. The way I saw him wind up, I felt like Bassey was already on his way down, and that's why I'm surprised in the shootout on on Saturday. They just didn't rip it high because you know that was <laughs> going to be the case. Um, but thankfully, they didn't. So, I mean, that's a backbreaker, um, you know. But Huskies were ob- able to respond early with Solquist goal, um, which was really nice play by Kupka. Um, and uh, really able to, um, you know, kind of come in a little bit of a Gretzky circle, but, you know, kind of a blind pass as well, um, able to to find uh, Solquist, who was able to bury it after being stuffed in the first period. So it, it was um, good to see a, a goal there. But then it's the special teams. Uh, it was it, it was just kind of frustrating um, to watch this penalty kill. Um, you know, really get dismantled over this past two weekends. Um, both, you know, North Dakota had two goals on Friday uh, on the on the power play, and then on uh, Saturday we let in a shorthanded goal. I believe, didn't we? Or was that also on Friday? Do we let no. in a shorty or not? No, no special teams goals on Saturday for either okay. side. So bring to CHN at least. That's right. We didn't commit a penalty because we had, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, it was, um, a breakaway of the chance that, uh, that was stuffed. That's right. Okay. Yep. So it was, but yeah, that two to, you know, three to, or, uh, two to three, two for three on the power play, um, you know, for Blake and, and Berg getting those goals and, it was just incredibly frustrating to watch us kind of have those breakdowns where the you know, defense wasn't covering their lanes that they should have. Um, and, you know, they were kind of always able to get that, you know, we would kind of come back, make it to, you know, a one goal game. And then, you know, they would counter punch and we were always kind of that one step behind. Um, I was a little surprised uh, there towards the end um, when we, you know, uh, pulled the goalie with about six minutes left. Um, and then, uh, we drew a penalty and then put the goalie back in, which was, I thought kind of an interesting move down too. Uh, but you know, the theory is that you're on the power or on the power play so they could ice it, have free reign to try to get an empty netter. Um, but, uh, put him in and it ended up working out with VD, um, ended up getting his 100th career point, uh, and, and, and getting a goal there. 
and, but uh, unfortunately it was just a little bit a little bit uh, too little too late a little bit of jojo um with uh, empty net for for jammer nick and uh, that was all all that she wrote there on 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 friday's game and it was just you know just being there in north dakota i was a little bit surprised at the attendance was only about 4500 on friday 5500 on saturday so a full thousand people you know more on on saturday uh but you know, it was supposed to be a whiteout, so I went and I, I didn't have a white jersey or any white SCSU stuff, so I went to Shields. I bought a new white jersey because I was in the market for one anyway. Um, and then I go, and it's like, yeah, there's hardly anyone. Like, the whole whiteout thing was a big swing and a miss, which I was actually really kind of worried about it because you're doing it up against North Dakota when you know they travel well. So it's like... It's almost kind of a worse look, but instead it was just a mishmash because it was so cold and everyone was just had coats and hats on anyway, so nothing was white. But um, but on the way back uh, on the bus, uh, just you had all these you know North Dakota fans and they're they're doing their whole shtick and whatnot, and they're just talking about how you know they're you know, they've got a, such a stud for a goaltender and they're going to go all the way. And I'm just like, I just don't see it with this team. I was like, go ahead with your hubris and, and your excitement and whatnot. But and, and I, I think the season ends badly for them. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, I just don't quite see it there with, with person, but it's been a narrative that's been cooked up ever since they could pluck them out of the portal. Everything year be- years before that too. Yeah, even with Miami. terrible years in Miami, but yeah. those eight hey, can't look at the numbers. It's one like annoyance I have with goalie stats. If the if the stats are good, trust the stats. Look at him; he's elite. If they're not good, well, you just, you don't know the whole story. Yeah. It's context dependent. <laughs> it's just a a way to never really use any objective numbers to grade goaltenders, which goaltending stats are a bit fickle. But I can use the eye test, and he was. Like I said, kicking out rebounds left and right on Friday. The t- the last two goals for St. Cloud on Saturday, I thought, pretty weak. The Ashan goal that kind of kicked off the <laughs> yeah. skate and in. And yep. then the the third goal was, I thought, a, a savable goal for him as well. So, yeah, I uh, if you're if that's what you're hanging your hat on, he's not Eddie Bell for is what I'm saying. Uh, but, I mean, he can win you a game, but uh, I don't think he's anything special. And the numbers sort of bear that out, whether or not you want to take great assault with that or not been a below average uh, goalie by the numbers this year yeah. and the Huskies just kind of played into his hand which is unfortunate so we're only to blame for to adding to the to the mystique so the, the mystique yeah uh switching over to Saturday I, again just I, I thought a, a, a good really good really solid performance by the Huskies um uh Kupka uh gets the goal on a nice pass from Lidke um and then yeah, nine seconds later, um, it was uh, it, w- it was Blake, and I just I just tweeted out at that time. I was like, "WTF, Peart," and I don't I don't know where I'm at with him because yeah, I, like he is touted as to be this incredible puck moving defenseman. And I'm just looking at the plays that sometimes he makes. He has some butt clinching, you know, moments. That one was just a terrible turnover to their best player. Um, and then you look and he's buried with seven points on the season. 
you know, so like you're looking at him, it's like, I don't know what he actually brings to the table at this point. I, and maybe I expected him to be a Jack Ashan 2.0, or maybe I expected him to be maybe a little bit faster or whatnot, but just watching him, I'm like, I just, I just don't see it. And I'm also looking at him as a wild fan too. And just being like, well, this is not going to be a guy that's going to be, he's like a, a, I don't know. Discount Louis Belpedio is kind of what I guess I, I, I kind of see as him. I've been saying these things for three years with Peart, so I'm glad <laughs> that at least the, uh, the middle is catching up to where I'm at, let's say. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of given up. I feel bad because I feel like I'm kind of ragging on him too much. So it, it just comes with the territory. He's, he's become the player that, when I feared in the first first year, which I called a bust to your sort of gasp after his freshman year, he really yeah. hasn't improved much from that. So I, I don't feel like I want to beat a dead horse. Same with like Bassey. I feel like I'm getting close to that. Like we're saying the same thing with him getting beat high all the time. Like how many times do we need to say it? It's sort of obvious. It's it's the standard that I think of for Bassey now. With, with Pierce, the, the standard is, quo. yeah. It's going to be, he's going to cough up a, a bad turnover to spring a opponent with a, you know, grade A scoring chance, like twice a weekend, something like that. Like it just yeah. comes with the territory. So, and it, yeah. And, and I wish you could, where, I wish you like, could, you should have the upside too. You should right? have the balancing aspect. Now, last year he had 20 some points and he yeah. was able to offset some of that defensive floppiness with some offense. He's not exactly doing that to the extent that he was last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, as far as his pro uh, prospects are concerned, Billy, the gun gunslinger, uh, not all of those draft picks have been uh, stellar. Um, who's the uh, Strammel from Wisconsin. Does he have a point this year? His first round draft pick from last year. I know he was benched uh, for a while and uh, for being unproductive and hurt, yeah. I think too. But um yeah, not everything that he's uh, that that he's been um, picking up there have have turned in gold. So this might add to that to that pile, but we shall see. Um, and uh, you know, so it's one to one after again a great first period by the Huskies, but coming out one to one felt like a loss. Um, you, you those were the chances where you needed to extend that to you know, an actual lead going into the second period, 17 to Um, four shot advantage. Yeah. So, um, second period, uh, rolls along, um, you know, fairly uneventful until, um, uh, uh, Sean puts it away. Like you said, a little bit of a kind of a weird weak goal, five hole, but more deflects off the skate. Um, but I, you know, they don't ask how; they ask how many. So nice pass by Okabe. On Okabe's one. pass was wonderful, and really, I thought Okabe all weekend was. Um, he had a, he had a little bit of motor in him. I, I think I, he was. Really I've, I'll be I'll be touching on uh, Okabe yeah. later. Hint hint. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, that pass was really good, um, and then yeah, third period, and this is where it's. I got really frustrated with Bassey and um, the the play were for uh, Levinage trying to trying to pass it and it can deflect it. I think it was off Ewert's stick. Yes. Um, but at the same time, it's like 
Bassy, why are you swimming out that far? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's he's way out of position. If it was, if I was playing it in the video game, I would think the goalie would be glitching or that it was some kind of computer rubber banding effect to try to get the game close again. But like, just to see him slide out that far, it, I, I think a little bit of the problem right now is that Bassy just doesn't trust the defense because the defense has been burned a couple times by some of those backdoor or slip passes or yeah, that, that could be, that, that and, could be. and he tried to overcompensate for that. And then of course, if he would have just stayed put, it would have been an easy cover and, you know, we'd still have the lead instead. I mean, he's no, looking at person across the ice and he's got the Superman cape and he's like, <laughs> I got to put the Superman cape on. He's Superman. I got to be better than Superman. So <sighs> it's, it's, it's a, too tall of a task just calm down just play your game and don't try to do too much um and then uh huskies uh was able to uh you know get that lead back um and that was uh uh vd's goal um drop pass from verner uh was able to to be Pearson clean, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a screen. I know um, Kupka, I think, was crashing the net at that time. Maybe that uh, distracted a little bit, but, you know, that was, you know, VT shot, maybe a little bit of a weak goal given up. But all of a sudden, again, you got a, th- you know, uh, a three to two lead. You know, it's time to, to buckle down and, and, and close this game out. And, you know, just as, the period kind of goes on and then you get this scrum for Cameron Berg was able to bank it off the back of him, And again, this is another instance, like Bassey was out of position, like way out there. And it's just like, if you're, you, you gotta just tend the goal. And, and I know it was a scrum and I know everyone was kind of flopping around and you got to trust your defense to get it out of there, but you still also kind of have to stay in your position. Cause if you weren't out back that far, it wouldn't have banked in. And that's, it was just, that's where it was frustrating to seeing those two goals back to back after being, you know, just beaten so many times clean on, on Friday. It was just, it, it, it was exhausting. It was frustrating, especially when I thought, you know, overall we played really well as just these breakdowns they were able to capitalize on. And um, we ended up tying, don't want to touch on overtime because we didn't touch the puck. Um, but we were able to kind of hang on for dear life and then, uh, two good goals, um, uh, to win the shootout. So, but, um, you know, this whole stretch four four points out of 12 against the top two teams, it's, it, it's not great. It's not terrible, but I still like for the most part, how we played against those four teams. We just need to sharpen some of the defense up. We still have a lot of freshmen. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is this is where this learning curve starts to kind of get a little bit easier. And, you know, you're starting to get a little bit more on track and, and, and no notice these things, notice these assignments and not let these passes get through. And that's what uh, definitely the Huskies need to work on um, that obviously along with the special teams um, after that got beaten so badly over the last two weekends. Yeah, it's like I said, it's mixed, lots of mixed emotions because I, I feel like they they played really well five on five against this team, played really well against Denver five on five on last Saturday as well. And 
feeling like that's if you're good at five on five, I, I'm confident that you can at least, you know, make a run as a competent team, whether or not, not that means an NCAA tournament run or at least just an appearance. Gives me confidence that you're one of the best, you know, 12 to 14 teams in, in the in the country, which is going to get you into the dance, mm-hmm. which is all that's really important. Uh, but it's just, it, it is bittersweet, especially coming at the hands of North Dakota. I mean, couldn't have happened. You, know, you couldn't have lost those, those points this weekend to a, a more gracious opponent. Uh, but, <laughs> um, and to give up, first place in the conference as well to boot stings even more, but there's opportunities. Yeah. The season's not done and we're going into a stretch here, three straight weekends against bottom half of the conference teams. You can certainly write the ship. And I, I hope that the team will take it as a learning experience and learn from it. And let's hopefully that some health is 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 gonna improve as well for some key players and key con, uh, contributors as well. But I don't know. I'm you were kind of hinting that you think that a lot of the fans seem to be uh, hopeless after this weekend. I, I guess I'm more optimistic than that, which coming from me should be surprising maybe i don't i don't feel like all is lost what what do you what do you yeah. feel like well judging by the questions that we'll get to later in the podcast a, a lot of people are saying that like this is like we're dead in the water uh, yeah, we, i don't get that and no, if, i would i would feel that if so this team still has i mean the last three games against the last game against denver and these two against north dakota i think you were the better team five on five on five it, this team is a very skilled, quick team. And I, I feel like it was somewhat fortunate for North Dakota to come out with, with four out of six points this weekend because they sort of pounced on the mistakes that St. Cloud was handing them. And in turn, St. Cloud wasn't pouncing on the mistakes that North Dakota was giving them. But I feel like those are margin kind of uh, plays. Whereas the bulk of the game, I think you were, you were in control. I didn't look at the uh, fancy stats for the game, but I would imagine St. Cloud had the majority of even strength shot attempts um, for both games. And yeah. so uh, that gives me the most hope. It'd be, it'd be one thing if kind of, you know, like the St. Cloud women's team, like winning that game against Ohio state, like that's not sustainable. Like winning a game where you're outshot three to one, mm. but losing games where you're dictating play five on five and you're having the majority of scoring chances, uh, that seems more of a sustainable uh, formula than having to kind of rely on puck luck and like Duluth esque type of, of play in order to, to win the day for you. So that gives me hope. And I guess we'll see this weekend and, and the next few at that is like, can you make a statement against teams that are lower than you in the standings? And we, uh, we shall see this weekend. I don't want to get too ahead of us. I don't know if you have any further last thoughts about the fighting green and, mm-hmm. and your undying love for them. Cause I'm sure <laughs> you said that bus ride, they were so gracious and, and just shaking hands and say, oh, great yeah. game guys. Great game. 
And they said yeah, fighting that's, that's what they're known for. so many times, too. They, they, they did not <laughs> they say correctly any said other the name nickname of their that's nickname. been dead for 10 years. Uh, so yeah. it's, uh, nope, they're yeah. you know, gracious. They were all over that. It's very sober. Uh, yeah. Sober fan base. Oh, like Mormons. At least that's money going into the, um, uh, going into the athletic. All right, let's get, let's put them so, into the rink fund. Let's, yeah, exactly. Can build up that new refrigeration so. uh, system. Um, but I, I just kind of want to touch on because uh, Joe Molinar uh, was out for um, undisclosed health reasons. It sounded like it was either some kind of a food poisoning or flu bug or whatnot or stomach bug um, that hit. It sounds like he couldn't keep anything down or in. So, uh, yeah, Jack Rogers uh, playing with Sulquist and Kupka on, on that line. I didn't see too much from Jack Rogers um, on on the weekend. Uh, it's a penalty that he took right away in the first yeah. period. He seems to do that a lot, taking a lot of dumb penalties. Seems to be like his main contribution team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some uh, some new faces, relatively speaking. We saw Nick Ports. He, Ports lives. Ports lives. He's back. Didn't do much, but he's back. Didn't do much. I mean, we mentioned Ewart. It's not like he's been in the lineup every game for the Huskies. Uh, Ashan had been out. There was a bit of a, was it an illness or a, a tweaked injury with him? Do you have like a full injury? Cause I, I watched the Saturday game uh, late. And so I sort of missed all the uh, ins and outs. Like I, I, I picked up who was playing like ports and, but I don't, so you're Mitch. So Molinar was out. Who else would have been subbed in and out? for those other players this weekend. Who am I missing? Uh, well, Barrett Hall didn't play on su- on Saturday. Okay. Was there a reason for that? Um, Barrett Hall is also nursing an injury. Okay. He didn't um, play that. I, I don't, like, one I don't of the know games what it was. Denver, I think one of the games in Denver, he didn't play either. So it's kind of maybe a nagging injury for him. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't play the first game against Denver. Okay. So, um, that, yeah. So Grant Deshaun is back. Nick, Nick Ports was in for Jack Ryman, uh, who played on Friday. Uh, and I think, you know, there was one instance where Ryman, I think it was on the first goal. He didn't get back quick enough. Um, and, and, uh, so we feel that's just a scratch. I, I think, I think that was maybe a little bit more of a scratch to get. To get would that been the, lineup, the same with Ewart? You were in for Falk. Would that have just been a let's get this guy some action? I think so. I, I think I think you know, and really, I think Ewert's been playing really well. So get him some more experience. Um. Overall. Yeah. So we we don't yeah. seem like there's there's huge monumental injuries, but a lot of nicks and bruises and yep. you know illnesses and it's kind of been like that all year. There's just been guys one game out because of that and tweaks and let's like knock on wood that there's not going to be a torn ACL uh, (laughs) popping up here. But at the same time, these little nagging injuries too can create some minor roster headaches as well. So it's good to get the uh, injury report. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also, you know, good to kind of see, and then I bet like the KVSE guys, if they're listening, they're going to be screaming, you know, they probably know all of it. So I should probably just ask them before. Well, you should. Yeah. <laughs> Use less sources and what cover the team. Yeah. 
So we're just two um, dudes with mics. It's always <laughs> we're not qualified. We're not qualified for anything. Um, but I mean, you're not going to take a coin out for how he's playing um, as of late. I think I think him and, him and Gross. I thought Ingram was pretty good this weekend too. Actually, yep. just playmaking. And even, I don't think he had a point on the weekend, but he was noticeable in terms of when he had the puck and what he was doing with it. I like I liked how he played this weekend. Yep, he had a shootout, a shootout goal. That's right. So. Um, who you got then for the pow? Well, I teased it earlier, but um, long time coming. I, I think it's his first pow pow of the year for me. But uh, Zach Okabe thought had a good weekend, playmaking. Um, we mentioned last week, like he must really get up for North Dakota because mm-hmm. probably played his best uh, series of the year uh, this weekend and getting a goal, a couple of assists, mentioned that long stretch pass uh, to set up the Ashan goal on Saturday. And just with the amount of chances that he had, I mean, he could have had more than three points. I mean, the uh, kind of grade a opportunities looks he was getting. Um, but um, like I said, there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a ton of like obvious candidates. And I think Okabe would have led the team with points this weekend with three. So maybe that's the uh, lazy pick, but um, I'll go with it. You know, uh, mentioned kind of Ingram played well. I thought Anhorn was all right. As far as the defense goes, I thought he was pretty solid. Um, not didn't, didn't consider Bassey for this position <laughs> this weekend, but uh, uh Falquist, I think, had a good weekend as well. Kupka, a couple of playmaking, a couple of assists for him. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is a an offense that generated 70-plus shots this weekend. And so I, I think you got to spread a lot of the credit for that around the forwards. And I'm going to – I'm just going to pick Okabe. Hopefully it's a good sign that he's, you know, got the monkey off the back and – the last stretch run here, the regular season, he's really going to kind of come to play with what we were thinking was going to be the, uh, mm-hmm. his big senior season this year. Let's, let's hope fifth year season, I should say, yeah. but um, it Super was a good senior. sign that, yeah, that he was, that he was able to have a impactful weekend. Who, who, who you got? Yep. Um, you know, even before the weekend, um, I just, uh, tweeted out, you know, career stats versus uh, UND. And, yeah, Okabe had seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. Uh, VT had four goals, nine assists for 13 points. So, I mean, those were your two leaders, and they were the ones that kind of continued to beat North Dakota. Um, uh, So uh, I did also pick Okabe. I really think his uh, presence, and even I was about, you know, in the first period, about halfway through the first period, just watching him play and just how much he was on the puck and he got up for the game. I was like, I think he's going to score. Like it was just something that you can kind of, as you were watching him, you kind of could sense that thing that it was going to come. And um, obviously it came at a big time. Um, But overall, I really liked his play. So yeah, he was, uh, he, he was my pal. And uh, maybe we're all going to be uh, a little bit boring uh, because Go Huskies Woo also uh, went with Okabe. Um, he also said, I uh, didn't think anyone really impressed him this weekend. Um, uh, does like uh, Ryman, but thought he thought he was strong when he was on the ice. Um, 
uh, he said, I thought Peart was less of a downward roller coaster and more solid. So I think uh, we are very much different of opinion uh, from Go Huskies who on Peart. Um, that's uh, the and- one. That's the one thing about Peart. He generates the biggest diversity of opinions about his play. Yeah. Some people think he's great. Some people think he sucks. And anywhere in between. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. The, the reaction arc of his career. Oh. Uh, Anhorn was up and down and thought uh, Bassey was just playing tight. And I can see that like aspect of he wasn't like he was, he felt like he had to be perfect. So he tried to do a little bit more than he should have. And um, uh, Salquist was good, but this is a ceiling good on the dot uh, for tortoise at times uh, shoot at the goalie's belly button. <laughs> so or or right in the middle of the pad too. right in the middle of the that. pad right in the middle which i mean on his goal from kupka right in the middle of the net was absolutely perfect uh we were able to get that one right in the middle of the net anywhere else eh, not so much so um but you know the big thing my big takeaway too is when i look at this and i see reese graber not on the score right. sheet at all yeah. um and you would have told me a week ago that Gaber was not going to score a point, I would have said this is a six point weekend. Like I, I just, I, I don't, it, you shut him down. That's good. But um, you know, their two other school scorers was kind of able to kind of come up and bite you with Berg and, um, and obviously a uh, Blake who's had a, had a strong season. So um, but you know, as, as we turn the page, uh, Bob Seeger style over to Omaha, it's, um, and now that's in everyone's head, that saxophone solo. So you're welcome. Um, it is a kind of an interesting turn of events here because they've also played North Dakota and Denver back to back. So we've got kind of an interesting comparison, um, on, on those two, you know, with, with, with us playing Omaha and them coming off the same kind of series, uh, Omaha beat North Dakota in overtime on, on their first game and then lost on the next game and then got swept at um, home against Denver last weekend. Um, and, and right now Omaha is really down there um, sitting in seventh place right now in the, uh, in, the nacho standings. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic because I have always been maybe a little more uh, bullish on Omaha. And I think this is going to be kind of an interesting weekend for, you know, kind of a chance to make up some of those points that we've dropped um, against North Dakota and Denver, because those two teams, I believe play each other this weekend. So, Um, so it kind of, here's your chance against a team who's sitting seventh in the conference, uh, to, to really kind of bury them and kind of cement yourself into the upper portion of the NCHC. Yeah. Omaha has been sinking like a rock down to the bottom of the standings. And, you know, the last couple of weekends, they've been really up against the wind. Um, (laughs) 
But come Friday, for, for they all can say, you Gen Zers listening, uh, go on Spotify or whatever you use and search Bob Seeger song titles. It's S E G E R. It's just one E before the G. And um, and, and and if you you know the Silver Bullet Band too, you know that that's you okay. Can go back to the Bob Seeger system. That was Ooh. his first group, and so. I wouldn't go back. Actually, like I, I think Bob Seger is kind of underrated. He's got a lot of good songs, and he kind of doesn't really get it. He's not really in the pantheon, I feel, but he's got some bangers. But um, yeah. Well, where are you yeah. at with Catmandu? Catmandu, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if I. I think I'm out of of Seeger puns. For, oh, yeah. for the for, for Omaha hockey, but uh, that, was, that was a decent run. Yeah, that, that, fly, that, but... that, that was pretty pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, when I kind of fired up the standings and seeing them lose two two games against Denver this this last weekend, and yeah, I was kind of surprised looking at the standings. One regulation win in conference all yeah. year for them, kind of propped up by all these overtime wins that they've been able to notch. Which thank goodness for those because if they didn't have those, they'd be really scrapping it with Miami for the, uh, for the toilet bowl. Um, but, uh, I think they're a better team than one, seven and four is what one, seven, Oh, four and Oh would indicate. Uh, their one win, their one conference win. Yeah. Randomly in Denver, in Denver, (laughs) where they never win. So, and so, yeah, that's a nice. They must, that they was the, that, remember some... that was the rescheduled two period game in Denver yes. after the ice crapped out. Yeah. So able to they, take advantage of that. They must have had some night moves that game. <laughs> <laughs> Down on Main Street. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. we've got tonight. We, we've and, got tonight, and uh, I don't know they how were not they were not a beautiful loser that game. <laughs> I, I don't know how I can uh, toss in. You'll accompany me, but all <laughs> <laughs> that was on my mind too. But I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna. How yeah, I'm gonna that, that one's that a one. little bit tougher. Anyway, Bob, <laughs> right, we're done. Seriously, we're done. We're and, done. and and yet, this whole time we're not uh, talking about old time rock and roll, which is probably <laughs> you know number one on his. Makes me dance in my uh, whitey tighties <laughs> like Tom Cruise, right? Uh, uh, okay. For all you Gen Zers out there, Tom Cruise <laughs> was a movie star um, in the 80s. This is pre-Mission Impossible days. Uh, risky business. Okay. All right. So, I think we've anyway, got it all focus, cleaned out Omaha. of our system. Deep press. So. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, I, you got to take him seriously. I mean, yes, a, a bad conference record, but still 20th in pairwise. I mean, yep. that's, that's obviously not, not where you want to be, but it's it's within spitting distance at least and those overtime results that they've been able to, to get have been helping them in that regard because you're getting some points against north dakota you had that full win at magnus which is nice for them their best win of the year and so you know st cloud saw them already played out in omaha in december we're able to win and high officially that was a shootout loss shootout I believe. loss correct and I think the only shootout that they've that they've lost this year in St. Cloud's uh, in St. Cloud season, which as you said back in Bosco days, those were those were few and far between in his tenure for the Huskers. It was like so. four years before we got a shootout victory with right. Monsco. Or even like a shootout goal. Yeah. I mean, getting goals scored in any of those. 
but now they're uh they can't miss so but you know we've uh familiar with the team you know lat cozy we think solid goalie again he, his season's taken a bit of a dip the last two week you know six goal efforts for denver um both nights last weekend you know he's just sitting at a 90 save percentage himself um and so but you can't look at the stats. Oh yeah, you, you got to look at the eye, don't know the eye full test. Story. He's, you don't know the full story. So he's yeah. I think I, I mean there is some greens that I'd probably take Lad Cozy over person. But uh, I, I, I guess would, yeah. I'm I'm playing into the uh, my, my old my argument. But uh, he's a goalie that can steal you uh, a game, and you know we've seen guys like Bob Mueller having a good year for them. Uh, we got, again, it's the Lutkies, not the Litkies. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to be confused and be on your toes. Be on your toes, Brian Mose, uh, because <laughs> you're going to have some Lutki, Litki, Lutki uh, challenges this weekend. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Because there's two of them for Omaha, and they're both pretty decent. Uh, Jack Randall. He's kind of their big goal scorer last year, not having as good of a year this year, but still someone that is definitely talented. Uh, you know, they don't have a ton of depth. I mean, they don't have the top line that uh, North Dakota has. They certainly don't have the top three lines that Denver has. Uh, but they're still a team that can be dangerous. But being on home ice this weekend for the Huskies, uh, seeing how well, they've played really the last three games in comparison to or, or to Omaha, who's lost three straight to these same two teams that St. Cloud has played. But those games really weren't as competitive as the games that St. Cloud was involved in. I feel like St. Cloud, especially I, if you really want the Penrose, which I'm not really obsessed with. I mean, yeah, I'd love to finish first place, but. You know, it's a trophy they've won before. I'm more just concerned just getting the tournament, the NCAAs. That's really the main thing for me. But if you, you know, any pairwise aspirations for not being able to capitalize with a full win over the last two weekends against Denver and North Dakota, you really want to keep those those hopes alive. You really should sweep Omaha this weekend. Now, am I confident in that? No. I mean, again, I, I I'm not. I'm the least confident that I am in the goaltending position even then I was probably in October of this year. It just this last few weekends, he's been exposed and whether or not that is a part of him trying to overcompensate for some kind of loosey goosey defensive play, either way, those units one or both need to tighten up in order for the Huskies to really kind of inspire my confidence back in that unit kind of being the driving force of this team right now. It feels like it's, they're more of a forward-based, five-on-five, speed, you know, good passing, playmaking team. That seems to be more of the identity of this team than this sort of solid back back end that can generate offense over, you know, through transition game and Anhorn being a rock and all that. Feels like the identity's kind of shifting towards the forwards this year. Not saying it's good or bad, it's just kind of a surprising development. And it's more so how loose I think the defense has been that's more surprising than the forward stepping up and being a pleasant surprise, which they have been, but I don't know. This will be an interesting weekend. I, I, I have my, my sights on six points. Where, where, where are you? Are you as dumbly confident as I am? 
Um, I feel not as confident, um, but always predicting a sweep is tough. Because, I, again, I think the Omaha is better than what the record is, but I do see, like, a four-point weekend. Um, so I do think a majority of the points is going to go to St. Cloud's way. I think we get back in the win column. Um, and then some type of overtime result. Um, I don't know if it's going to be an overtime victory or whatnot, but I think one of the games is going to be a little bit closer than one of the games is going to be um, a little bit uh, a little bit more towards St. Cloud's favor. Because, again, I like overall how St. Cloud's playing, and so I'm not too concerned. We control our own destiny at this point. So I, th- I think, like, this is the series to really put it all together again and, you know, take it to a team that's been taking it on the chin uh, as of late. Uh, o- Omaha doesn't have a good power play. It's sitting at about 15%. Their penalty kill is at 78%. Like, this is the type of weekend to try to right the ship in some of these little areas that aren't clicking on all cylinders. And I think we can do it. Um but just something tells me that they might sneak up one of these games and, and uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a tie. We'll have to get to overtime for it. But um, the main thing is make sure that we, you know, really help that comparison for the pairwise is winning that head to head. And as far as the pairwise concerned, being one Oh, and one against them, you know, being two, even two, one and one, if they get an overtime win over there as well, um, you know, that that's still going to be huge in, in that comparison fight um, and, and keeping us above Omaha. Like, cause you said they're at 20. So as far back in the standings as they are right now, they're, you know, these are still very good pairwise points to, to get and really up our percentage right now and making that NCAA tournament, which I think right now sits at about 56%. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, the season is definitely far from over. Yeah any fans that are thinking of jumping the ship. Um, I, that that's a little too early for that. Yeah. I think if, if they like, I don't know, take less than three points this weekend, I might be jumping in on that lifeboat with you, but, um, I'm not jumping in that. on any life. I will go down with this ship. I am Dido here. All right. Well, so, uh, we shall see. I'm excited for this weekend because I feel you play like you did against North Dakota. You'll beat Omaha. I but, think so too. Uh, but they're still a team that that can sneak up on you too. And so um, take them seriously and I don't know, get the job done before you go out on the road for a couple of games, a couple of series. Mm-hmm. It'll be, um, I think, a, a nice weekend that restores some sanity and some confidence in uh, Husky nation. I'll be that, that optimistic. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. Anything else? Uh, men's college hockey, uh, kind of around the, around the nation, uh, that kind of piqued your interest. Um, you know, kind of one of the big things that I saw was, uh, New Hampshire. They took a little bit of a stumble down in the pairwise, um, which, you know, less Hockey East people in the picture um, is going to be a good sign uh, for for St. Cloud. But they were sitting at 11, dropping down to 16 um, over the weekend. Uh, it was kind of a big dip for them. Providence kind of slowly um, on their way down as well. Um, They're you know, settling into their four seed 
where I expect them to be. Your Providence they and Providence. These Hockey East teams have to learn not to schedule Anchorage at home in January because they <laughs> torpedoed uh, Lowell's here last year mm-hmm. with the same kind of – they actually swept him at Lowell and a 4 nothing loss at the hands of Anchorage at home for Providence. Ain't going to look good on their resume. Hashtag uh, Arizona State, who lost again to uh, Augustana. Chase Brand, I think, a couple of goals in one of those games. Yeah. So, yeah, we're seeing the uh, Hockey East um, – regression to the mean kind of taking place here. Massachusetts always also kind of teetering on the brink right there with St. Cloud sort of on the, on the bubble. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, I mean, we also mentioned in, in conference, I guess the only one we didn't mention, well, we didn't mention CC sweeping Miami. Those, those games were fairly tight the Friday game at least. And then Western Michigan splitting against uh, Duluth. Duluth. Yeah. It, like, and that's two weekends in a row, like Western lost to, to Miami last weekend, but they're like unchanged at 10. Like these losses aren't hurting them at all. I, I, I don't get them. I, they're 15, six and two, but they're six and six in conference, which means they're nine, oh, and one in non-conference, but it's Ferris F and state who have, they have the one tie against them. Ferris F and state's like, I think second worst in pairwise. They're awful. Bowling Green's in the 60s in pairwise. You got four games against Lindenwood, which you had to sweat out one of those, miraculously win one of those. And then St. Lawrence, another bottom 10 team. It's a terrible non conference schedule. It's leading me to think that, like Woden, those guys would say, you know, you can go five and five against a really good non conference, or you go 10 and 0 against a terrible non conference. It all washes out. I'm starting to think that's not right because you feel like Western Michigan isn't as good as a number 10 in pairwise would suggest. Yeah. But uh, it's their, their losses seem, it's just Teflon for them. They seem to be well, uh, well positioned. Uh, it just seems weird to me, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, as you mentioned, North Dakota up to three in pairwise. It'd be a big weekend this weekend. We've got a one versus two matchup with BU and BC. Yeah. And That's... then also that North Dakota and Denver series, another top 10 matchup. Actually got a third top 10 matchup with Michigan State hosting the Gophers. Uh, also got Wisconsin and Michigan. Michigan had a a big win against Michigan State, but then Michigan State came back to split that series on Saturday. So Michigan kind of made a bit of a move. I think they were 15. They're up to 14 now. Again, right by St. Cloud's area uh, in terms of RPI. Uh, so it's all really tightening up, especially at the uh, bubble area. Um, but um, yeah. it should be a very interesting weekend this week. It was some marquee matchups on 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 the docket. Yeah. So it's a fun time of year. Did you have uh, Long Island uh, putting up a ten spot against Stonehill, having I did a not better goal margin uh, than the Michigan? Uh, right. You know so. Uh, that I found was interesting. And on the weekend, only giving up two goals or Michigan gave up five. So get long Island over to Yoast and see what uh, long Island can do. Right. Oh, don't tempt them because they'll <laughs> go ahead and do that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they already have them on the schedule for next year. Uh, Good old big 10. <laughs> Good old big 10 non-conference. So this is where it really comes for Stonehill. I mean, they got, they got road games at Lindenwood this weekend. But then it's their six-game homestand. 
Yeah. That's really the Custer's last That's stand here against the two. What? Yeah, Long Island. Island. You got Lindenwood, and then you got the two D three teams. So. And so uh, we're gonna know a lot. Stonehill ain't gonna touch a road win this year, but it's those six home games. We're we're gonna see if our if our uh, prediction that they're gonna. I run mean, the table I I don't like their chances against Long Island. I mean, if they're losing 10, 10 nothing to Long Island in hockey. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Not a good sign for winning sports. So, um, uh, so let's switch over. Uh, switch over to the women. Uh, end up winning on Friday, a three to one victory, and uh, that saw Himlerova and uh, Katie Kaufman. You know, one shorty, one power play goal. And then uh, Suriel, who's had a really good season um, as as a freshman, twelve points, twenty four games. Um, she gets uh, she gets a goal um, as well from Gentry and Millwater, um, able to get three to one victory. Um, you know, dominated uh, on shots on goal. Um, you know, kind of eased off the gas. I think maybe a little bit in the third period, but uh, at the same time, you know, they were able to kind of weather it when uh, St. Thomas was able to get that goal back to make it a, a one goal game. But, um, you know, we were able to stretch it out, get that win um, as, you know, as expected as we should have um, at, at this time when we have these expectations. Now, when we're battling for home ice, then we go to St. Thomas um, and we got a hole in net and kind of a uncharacteristic, uh, stat line here for a whole like giving up two goals on 13 shots but three goals against to the empty net so the empty net actually <laughs> more goals against than uh than a whole lot but it's a, another instance of um again only 18 shots total uh for saint thomas we were able to really lock it down when it comes to possession taylor lind gets the goal in the first period but not able to extend that lead. Um, and um, Olivia King for uh, St. Thomas, their goaltender was able to keep it close. And again, our lack of goal scoring really hurt there. And we, we, we stumble and we give up some points here. And I just don't, and I'm not going to say we're dead, but, essentially home ice. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, it's it again, it's, it's not over. It's certainly still in the realm of possibility. I mean, you are literally in third place or excuse me, in fourth place. You still have a three point lead over Duluth. The fact though, that, I mean, because Duluth got swept this weekend at Ohio state. Um, and so they've, you know, and four against Ohio state. St. Cloud has a win against Ohio state. Uh, and they'll be playing the Buckeyes this weekend with the schedule um, because St. Cloud's got, they're done now with Mankato and they're done with St. Thomas. Duluth has one series each against Mankato and St. Thomas left. They're done with Bemidji. St. Cloud has one series left against them. So, I mean, in terms of Duluth's got one extra series against the bottom three, whereas St. Cloud, has one more against the top four. The schedule has to favor Duluth, even though St. Yeah. Cloud has the, the lead. 
I think it's still going to come down to the head to head. Like if you can win a majority of the points in Duluth, uh, if in St. Cloud series in February, that might be enough, but I don't know. I, I mean, we I, didn't I, expect I, we, I, I think we just need a little bit more help. We need Duluth to stumble a, a little bit more because yeah, I just, they, they would need leaving. to win, lose one of those games against either Mankato or St. Thomas as yeah. well. They haven't done that this year yet, but they have, they've not had as many quality wins either. They have the one win at Wisconsin. Uh, and, but St. Cloud's got the win at Ohio state. They've got points against the Gophers. So, I mean, it's all shakes out that St. Cloud has a slight lead now, but um, it's not over. Like after they, after the loss on Sunday, I was like that, that might be it. Um, their pairwises, they're down to ninth. Yeah. It's not crater, cratering them at this point. And the fact is you still have the time and the schedule to make up that ground. This starts the second gauntlet this team and you basically do it in reverse order best to least good because you're going Ohio state. Then you're going Wisconsin. Then you're going the Gophers. Then you're going Duluth four weekends back to back to back. Most mm-hmm. of which on the road, you've got these two games at home against Ohio state. The other five of the other six are all on the road. Yeah. So and that's, I it's, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be easy, but Again, I, I said you take half, you take points in half the games against the top four teams. If you do that, you might need like some actual wins in there rather than just like some overtime losses or whatnot. This this digs you part of that hole by dropping this game to St. Thomas as well as the game against Mankato last weekend. Um, so maybe like three wins and one overtime win that'll probably do the job. But again, that. That also might mean that you're fifth instead of fourth, and it might come down to how you're how you're doing in the first round of the WCHA playoffs because that's going to be a big key in terms of who's going to be an at large. Are is there going to be five teams out of WCHA, or is it just going to be four most likely? If it comes down to four, it's going to be whoever wins the season series between St. Cloud and Duluth, and that's likely going to be a six game series, if not a seven game series, because you're going to play in the playoffs. Someone's going to host the other most likely in the first round. So now I, yeah. So I'm just saying you laying, laying the scenario that St. Cloud can make up the ground. They certainly can. It's not like they're playing in the new ha where they don't play teams ahead of them. They can't really make moves and pairwise. They certainly have that opportunity. It's just looking at, not only the loss on Saturday, but the win on Friday, which, you know, that was a tight, tight game. Um, you know, St. Thomas had that uh, penalty shot attempt. It was yeah. a big turning point in that game because St. Cloud scored the second goal right at, you know, shortly thereafter. Right after. Yep. And so that game could have gone either way. Inability to put these teams away. Saw it again last weekend against Mankato. We talked about that. Uh, that's the more troubling thing for me like from the pairwise perspective and the standings it gives me hope but the eye test of watching this team just again throughout the whole year and especially since the second half has started we're just struggling to come up with offense and if we can't score more than four goals on a weekend against St. Thomas does that give me a lot of confidence that they can beat Ohio State not really 
So it's possible. Um, and they played, uh, they played a game in Columbus not too long ago that if they do that again this weekend, it's certainly possible. You win a game, you win a second game against Ohio State, that'll probably make up for that St. Thomas loss. Yeah. Uh, but you got to keep going. It just, it doesn't end. Like it's, you can't just get one win against Ohio State. You can't stop there. So the task just gets that much tougher. And maybe this is a team that thrives on adversity and, and, and needing to always sort of motivate themselves. Maybe starting that second half of the year, like you're playing these two teams that you're better than, and you should, you should beat. Maybe that's an unfamiliar advantage spot for St. Cloud to be in. Um, now they're in a more comfortable spot as the underdog uh, against mm-hmm. uh, the likes of Ohio state. Maybe they can step up. I, I'll tell you this. I don't think Ohio state's going to underestimate you like they may have in December. Uh, yeah, they're, sure. uh, they're playing pretty well yeah. uh, right now. Uh, didn't give up a goal against uh, Duluth this last weekend. Um, that's on the heels of them going into Ritter and just steamrolling the Gophers. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the one benefit we saw, like with Duluth, was able to keep the scoring down for Ohio State. They just put up four goals this past weekend. And St. Cloud and Duluth are similarly built teams in terms of very good goaltenders and kind of offensively challenged. So if they can maintain the sort of game plan that Duluth played this past weekend, as well as St. Cloud, when they were able to win in Columbus a month and a half ago, uh, it's certainly possible, but it's just, it's going to be a tough test. And the way that this past week, two weekends really have progressed, it's doesn't strike a ton of confidence in me, but I'm still, Obviously, I'm still going to watch. I still think this team has a good oh, yeah. chance. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not over. I'm surprised they didn't fall further in the pairwise actually after that loss. But um, it's not. It's certainly not over. And this team can right the ship here and start playing their best hockey. Kind of, they played their best hockey in the first half when the schedule toughened. So if they can, ha- if they if that can happen again the second half, then this team can can make some noise and uh, hoping to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that this is kind of maybe a wake up call or a, like, like a message that you got to really kick it into high gear here because uh, you know, not only is that schedule, like you said, incredibly tough, but you know, in February, seven of the last eight on the road. And I think that's going to be a big kind of factor when it comes down to it too. Um, at Wisconsin, got a home and home against Minnesota at, at Duluth, at Bemidji. So it's, you know, the, those six points that you left on the table against Minnesota state and St. Thomas, I mean, that's, that, that's, what's really coming up to, to really bite you here. And that's, that's what has me really worried about uh, going on the road here next week uh, or for, um, for, for the playoffs against Duluth. So but it's it'll it'll be fun to kind of watch this team and hopefully you know Ohio State is incredibly just firing on all cylinders right now. So you know this is the time when you know that Adolski kind of defenseman defensive poise uh, can can really cause some fits. You know this is uh, a good weekend for that to really turn up and 
and uh, give the Huskies a chance at getting some points this weekend. You're mentioning like what would have been like if they had taken care of business, swept both Mankato and St. Thomas and both winnable games, the St. Thomas, both of those games are basically two to one games. Mm -hmm. That's what the Mankato game was. And St. Thomas was two to one until the empty netters started piling in. You win those two games. Which I will credit Adolski just going for it and just leaving the goalie out. Just being like, what are you going to do? Lose five to one, six to one, seven to one, whatever. (laughs) Keep it rolling. A loss is a loss. Yep. Pairwise doesn't take in fact the uh, goal differential. So why not? Uh, but yeah, you win those two games. You're a point behind the Gophers for third place. And yeah. you've got a nine point lead on uh, UMD. And so that would be a big difference. Cause you could, yeah, go into this gauntlet and have a couple of games in hand that you wouldn't need to, to run the table. Uh, and you could lose a couple of these games and still have a, a cushion over Duluth. Uh, so, but you can't, you can't play the what if game at this point. It's just sort of hope that see how I'll be the end of the year. We don't look back and it's the difference was like the St. Thomas loss. Cause that would be a bummer, but I don't know if we have uh women's hockey as the ability of the customizer. Do we have a customizer? I, I yeah. Well, I CHN so. doesn't have it on their website. Uh, no. So we'd have to depend on us, Joe, which, Good luck. Don't. Whenever you're in the position to be dependent on Ostro, uh, say a prayer. So. Yeah, you click the current pairwise for college hockey news on the women's section, and it just and it the goes to the men's. Oh, just okay. I, I thought it was going to no, just okay. just goes. Doesn't even try to give you any type of pairwise. It's like no, here are the standards. Woden, I know you're it. listening. It's you got a bug. Fix the bug. Um. Anything else uh, around women's, uh, the women's landscape that kind of caught your eye? Um, What else we had? So we had had Wisconsin sweeping Mankato. I thought the first game was a little tight, caught a little bit of that. Um, Minnesota sweeping Bemidji State. No surprise there. Uh, So in conference, I mean, other than St. Cloud losing to St. Thomas, it was essentially chalk. I mean, Duluth's a top 10 team, but going up against Ohio State wasn't terribly surprising that they got swept. Um, didn't really catch much of the out-of-conference action. I mean, we still got the usual suspects up there with Colgate and Clarkson, Quinnipiac, all positioned pretty well. And then a clump of teams just right on the bubble with Cornell uh, in the mix, and St. Lawrence, Princeton even. Uh, it's, I think, going to be a slug it out battle between those two leagues as far as if there's a parity between those two in the at-large spots um, because it does look like the other the other leagues are all going to be single uh, single bid leagues so it's one of these one of these leagues going to get uh, five and the other three or four and four seems the more likely uh, outcome um, but you know, let's see how it plays out I know they got the women's bean pot going on uh, this week, the first round games. So we got that that time of year. We got bean pot. Oh, that's right. uh, smelling the beans uh, uh, on the horizon. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, a frustrating weekend, I think, for for the Huskies. But I think they can. I think they have the opportunity. Certainly have the opportunity. Can they step up and 
get the job done. That's the more interesting uh, proposition. And I did want to mention too, we've been, we've been dogging on Stonehill the last <laughs> couple of weekends. Credit where it's uh, and, due. Yeah. Uh, but I, and yeah, for, for, for good reason. But I, we would be remiss if we don't mention on the, on the women's side, St. Michael's putting up an impressive Owen 26 year in the new ha. And, um, you know, you mentioned Stonehill losing 10 rip to, uh, to Long Island. I mean, St. Michael's has an 11, nothing loss to Franklin Pierce on their resume. Uh, and so they haven't scored more than one goal since December 1st. So, and in the new as well, Oh, and 20 in that league. Um, it's impressive is what I'm saying. Keep an eye on that. Cause we might have a, we might have a, a, a winless season on both the men and the women's side, which I, I would say it's gotta be a first. Hmm. So I always like those historically, it's what the common, common man says it. You need to be historically good or biblically bad. And we've got some biblically bad teams and it's always a, a shot out there. And I mean, from their perspective too, that's commons, right? Because we're not talking about post. We're not talking about assumption who are just middle of the road, bad teams in the new ha. I had to bring up St. Michael's cause I saw their own 26 and that's worthy of some of my benediction. So good on you, St. Mike's. How do they have, Oh, okay. They went to overtime once. Okay. I was wondering how they, they have did a to Stonehill, to Stonehill, to Stonehill uh, which uh, I thought fitting. actually, when you talk about, you know, talking about Stonehill, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that the women in Stonehill, you know, a, a very respectable 13 and 13. So yeah. 13 and yeah, they're right there in the new ha. So they're, yep. they're right there in third place. Very streaky team. Um, they had a stretch where they won six straight, followed that up by losing the next five. Um, and right now they're in a stretch here where they won, uh, let's see, five of their last six and uh, six of their last eight. So s- streaky team, the the Stonehill, what, Skydivers? What are they again? Sky Kings? Uh, the Skyhawks. Skyhawks. There we go. Skyhawks. So. Yeah, uh, Long Island in first place in the Nuha. They they got the first auto bid for the league last year and then got smoked by Wisconsin, I believe. And they're so they're leading the conference now. St. Anselm's right behind them, but Long Island seems to be the uh the best team in that. But hey, don't uh don't sleep on Stonehill. The Stonehill women, at least, are a competitive they're an actual team. Yeah. So we can give them that credit. Which I don't think the uh, men's team is a real team. I think it's just no. maybe like a figment no. or I don't know. It's I mean, you put them in D3, they'd probably be a bad D3 team. Yeah. Like below 500 D3 team. So, yeah, it's, well, let's watch them this weekend. They got Lindenwood. Now, do they so. have a bid? Do, like, just have an option? Like, if they would have qualified in the pairwise, would they have been to the tournament? You know, or that's a good is that question. just an anti St. Thomas 
slash Augustana thing. I think it's a it's a case by case basis, and teams that move all their sports up, that's where you run into ineligibility question marks. I, I don't. Rem- I remember having to to look that up with Augustana, and they are eligible to make it. They're in, they're eligible to make it pairwise based, but they can't get because they don't really play in the CCHA. That's right. Full they time, don't really play so in the CCHA. They can't get in through the CCHA auto bid. But they can make it technically through the uh, through an at large, uh, but that's not the case. Obviously, with St. Thomas, they can't they can't make it through the uh, pairwise. Yet they can win the CCHA tournament, but they still can't play in the NCAA's. It's yep. a weird and kind of dumb system. But is what it is. Um, also, as far as uh, one last thing that I want to bring up for the women's side uh, is. Just kind of, you know, how obviously we focus here talking about Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, whatnot, you know, Clarkson right now, um, you know, they're they're three of the pairwise uh, right behind Colgate. Um, but uh, Clarkson is only one loss on the season and that loss can overtime to Cornell right um which is also kind of you know a strong team so it's kind of interesting that that uh Clarkson you is... said that they're behind Colgate cuz they beat Colgate in their only game so far um one nothing win at Colgate yeah according to the uh us show pairwise yeah Colgate is 2 Clarkson is 3 in the pairwise i bet you I and mean, Colgate's got that win against Ohio State who is number one. I bet that's like a main driver of that. Probably. But good teams. I mean, that I would say Cornell or Clarkson would be my pick out of like, if we're going to have an Eastern team make a final this year, yeah. which I still probably think it's going to be an all West NCAA final. Um, I don't know. Do you have an opinion about Clarkson V Colgate in that battle or Quinnipiac or a, None of the above. I mean, the Clark seeing I've seen game, a little bit more of Colgate. A, it was a one nothing battle. Yeah. Um, so and you know, uh, Colgate actually had the edge on shots, thirty five twenty four. So it's, um, yeah, it'll. You know, I I don't know if it will be an all WCHA. I guess it also kind of depends on how the brackets align. Yeah. Um, especially with what eleven teams making it, so it's kind of a weird numbers game on how the bracket is aligned um, and everything along those lines. So, uh, but I do like, you know, we might be in an instance where, you know, both those two teams are able to make it, and then the other two WCHA teams in the Frozen Four. So, or it's likely like. Probably going to be like two because the top four seeds get home ice. They'll host those regionals hosting campus regionals, a topic that we'll talk about a little bit. They do that on the women's side. They, they do that on the women's side, side, but it's uh, it's not good enough for the men, apparently, to do it that way. All right. That's, uh, Woden's wonders or the segment. Woden yeah, we'll, Woden. we'll get to that. But from the women's perspective, it's I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get two. Uh, two of those four top seeds, two of those from the WCHA, two of them from the ECAC. So it might come down to can a WCHA team beat a ECAC team on their home ice to go to the Frozen Four? 
which that's what happened last year. Wisconsin had to beat Colgate in Colgate, and then they end up win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So if, if, like, if there was a team that can do that, it's just like, can Minnesota, I, I don't really like Minnesota's chance to make a yeah. deep run. And if they're going to be a top four team, which I doubt, like then you maybe got, so they would, they potentially could be a road team in one of these ECAC rinks. I don't know if I would see them necessarily popping an upset, but it can certainly happen. I guess we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I agree. Um, no, uh, speaking of, should we just go into the Sloshman Woden showdown? Let's do it. Battle of the pundits, I, I guess we could say. Uh, uh, don't we have a sounder for this? Um, it's like uh, the commentary on the commentary. I think I've got a sounder for this. This is a perfect, uh, perfect oh. place for that. So we'll hunt for that and uh, insert that. Time now for the commentary on the commentary. <laughs> That's exactly what we got. We got uh, some discourse. We got some discourse, indeed. Uh, battle of the of of the ideologies when it comes to uh, regionals. Um, in one corner, uh, Brad Sloshman, whose favorite uh, eatery is Chipotle in St. Cloud, um, uh, wrote, a, wrote a column in the Grand Forks Herald, uh, just uh, pretty much his points saying why uh, the uh, NCAA tournament needs to go back to hosting on campus regional and pretty much his ideas and not even regionals anymore. So first and foremost, let's get that out of the way is that we're not, you know, hosting, you know, four teams on the drop of a hat going to fill in the blank school to try to host it all games. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, uh, adjusting, uh, all of the formats and adjusting the, the, uh, tournament to go on the road um for for some schools and just strict pairwise one in 16 going up against each other higher c gets the host one one game per weekend um and then next weekend is the next round so um you know that's kind of my which would also be on on campus sites so he's saying the first two rounds correct would be on campus sites hosted by the the higher seed at their campus rink in a one and, and done. Yep. Until and, the Frozen Four, which would proceed as normal in a neutral site, predetermined uh year by year basis. So Frozen Four untouched, but the first two rounds uh would be all on campus. And then in the other corner, we have Woden, whose argument is basically just keep it the same. Yeah. It was really funny because, you know, I've got the news alerts, you know, for like whatever your interests are. You can set up your new news alerts for CHN. So right when that commentary came up of, um, you know, keep it the way it is. Like, I was like, oh, this has got to be Woden's article. Like right away, you knew who was going to be writing it. You knew exactly what it was going to be about, what his points were. So it was just kind of like, yep, of course he would. So I here's it's the thing: a good, I, it's I a good debate team tactic. If oh yeah, you've got one article on one site, you take the opposite. You don't just 
have write another article that's completely in favor of the previous article, you got to go against it. You got to push back, create a little controversy, get some clicks, get some clicks. Yeah. Get, get those Timu ads. Um, but it's, it was definitely one of those, uh, instances where it's like, Oh, Wolden saw an opportunity and he, he sure is going to take it. That's for sure. He pounced on him like a yep. North Dakota, um, like Blake pounced on some bad turnovers. From a, Peart. a pure turnover. Right. So, and it wasn't like uh, he has some minor differences. Like his thing is, well, I wouldn't want a uh, like a host school in one of these regionals if they were a three or a four seed to host. So, like, we can only have them be at that regional if they're a one or a two seed, mm-hmm. which seems like logistically challenging and kind of not. It's like a half measure if anything and again i can see his i can see the perspective i'm trying to play devil's act i mean we've talked for years about how we we prefer the schlossman approach and i will you know give props to him that the article that he wrote was sort of a nicely condensed version of all of our separate rantings throughout the years so all sort of, and it's just nice, nicely formulated arguments that I think were concise and convincing. And it was a well-written piece. Now I'll take, I'll kind of put on the Woden hat and assume the position of why not? Like what's the, what's the um, argument against going back on campus? Cause I think there are some legitimate concerns with that or at least there's positives in the camp of being neutral neutral site regionals for neutral site regionals for me it's like i i would i i feel it's stupid to keep them as they are currently that i think is it's it's so clearly been a broken system for decades now keeping it as it is where there's four hosts and you have the opportunity to have teams like providence who, yes, aren't technically hosting the regional, but it's in the same city and they are a four seed and they're hosting a one seed with a partisan crowd to their advantage, which just it it belies the whole concept of neutrality and fairness, too. Yeah. Like That's what we hear about the, new, the neutral site crowd is this is the most fair way it's unfair especially for smaller schools with less resources to have to go into a big boy blue blood campus rink in in a playoff situation and feel like you have that you're on an even playing field but when a team like providence can sort of maneuver its way into quasi hosting these regionals and getting that advantage but without earning it through the play that's i think what gets some fans riled up I've always, I remember years ago, kind of joking, if you really want neutral, just put him in Hawaii. Like that's like the true neutral. But then I kind of thought about it a little bit more. Like you don't have to go to Hawaii, but here's just, I'm just throwing it out there. Again, my real heart is I would just go back to campus. But if you want to really throw a bone to the neutral site crowd, try neutral sites, but try something completely different with neutral. Um, how about not four regional sites, but like one regional site. And I'm thinking it's like Los Angeles, 
It's got to be a big metro area, something that's suitable to, to, to accommodate 16 teams and their fan bases and media and all that accompanies that. So just hear me out. So you got like a, uh, like a city like uh, Los Angeles venues. I mean, you got the Staples Center, you have the Ducks Arena. We're really not doing NHL rinks for uh, for regionals, so those are probably out. A couple of AHL rinks in that area. There's Ontario, which is in suburban LA. That's an AHL facility, about 10,000-seat arena. There's also Long Beach. It used to be an AHL facility. Um, it's equipped for hockey. They don't really play much hockey there anymore, but it's, again, about like a 12 thousand seat arena i think for hockey that's right in the la metro area i mean they got a ton of decent like the kings have their practice facility the ducks have their practice facility we're playing a regional this year at the blues practice facility so if practice facilities are on the table you got a couple of those that's true in that area if you so that would at least satisfy the neutral aspect of it that's not near anyone i mean arizona state i think could arizona state's about a eight hour drive from there. Other than that, everyone else would have to fly. So, I mean, obviously the costs would be more, but it would be a neutral site. There would be no shenanigans of Providence hosting as a four seed and, or not hosting or UND like doing their Fargo thing and just packing the, the building with green. It is a true neutral site. If, I mean, Bowden spent a lot of time about the whole growing the game argument aren't we supposed to grow the game in the non-hockey markets? I mean, California's kind of been rumored as like, hey, yeah. we should get some hockey teams down there. Maybe bringing a, a, a marquee event. This isn't just like a mid-season tournament, but, you know, it's the regional round before the Frozen Four. Plus, you have the benefit of if your team, if you're in the top five or six of pairwise at this point in the year, you could book your ticket now to the regional. You wouldn't need to know where that was. You wouldn't have to guess a week before. I want to go to the regional. Hey, and I want to go to sunny Southern California. I'll book my ticket to go to the regional because I've got a pretty good chance that my team is going to be there. So there's no guesswork as far as where the regional is going to be. You could do this. You could set it up for we're going to do L.A. for three straight years. So come this time of year, people are already booking their regional tickets. It's a sexy uh, venue or area to go to just vacation wise. And it would be a marquee hockey event as well. So you could have, a, and it's something where you do it regularly. So it's not like a surprise. Um, you could build a bit of a tradition if it works. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of half baked on this. I, but. I actually love this idea. And I think you solved it because not only that, but now that you have that extra day in there when it comes to the regionals, I mean, it's, Two games on Thursday, it's two games on Friday, and then one game on Saturday, one game on Sunday. I mean, you 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 probably would need two facilities. Um, you could get away with it yeah. with one, but I think yeah, you would two get, facilities. You, I think the best would be two facilities. Yeah, but like you I could mean, buy a package then to all of the games. So even even if it's or at least in, or at least if there's like two sessions, like you have like two brackets going on. Yeah, maybe you have a full package for one, and or it could get like a package with all 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 the games involved it's possible now it, as far as attendance goes like last year like the the total attendance for all of the regional games was like forty six thousand. now a lot of that is it's per session i think the average per session was like five thousand. 
there's more complex math that I can't do on the fly. We're not shooting for 46,000 because some of those are repeat. So I don't know what the exact like unique butts that went <laughs> in seats during the regionals. I'm not sure what that number would be, but we're probably not going to get something that's as close to what it was in the previous regional structure, but it might be worth it to try it. And that's what I'm saying. Like this might be a terrible idea and it might fall flat, but I feel like the current setup isn't really working either. And why not try something a little bit different than what we've been doing, which is not like the creative ideas that we have now are let's go to the blues practice rink. We haven't been there before. It's a new quote unquote hockey mark, college hockey market. And it's quasi neutral. I, I don't know. I feel like the, and playing in a, a tiny facility, you know, that, that seems like a, a doesn't sound like a like a progressive move if you're trying to I- improve the yeah. regional either atmosphere or revenue or whatever sort of your goal is to go to Maryland Heights this year. I don't know. You feel like if you have it all in one central location, you have an attractive place to go that people want to go. You have it where there's no guesswork in far as far as quick travel within three or four days. It's possible. I, I'm not saying it's the be all and end all, but just try something different than what you're doing now is what my big thing is. Do you have a better idea than that? I mean, if we're going to keep all the neutrality, no, I don't. I think that's a, a really good idea. And again, you know, my thing was, we just go back to campus. But yeah. if you want to, if you're hell bent on neutrality, try something better than what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even if you do, like, yeah, there's a lot of, maybe places if they want to test out prior to giving them a, a frozen four um, right. as well, you know, kind of different markets and, and whatnot. No, I think, I think that idea is a winner. I, th- I think that's it would my have favorite to be, idea. It would have to be a major Metro uh, because yeah. he couldn't do 16 teams in Topeka. You know, right. But, uh, you know, like Los Angeles, Seattle would be a good one. Tampa. I mean, you've, you've had, good success at frozen four when it's been at Tampa. Why not try to do a regional down there? Mm-hmm. Again, I we're saying regional. We're, I'm just using that as the term of art, like just the first two rounds before the frozen four is what I'm saying, what I'm meeting when I'm saying uh, regional, yeah. but you'd have to be big, like even like Dallas, Fort Worth, something like that. Like, and these are all again, areas where there is no college hockey presence and if that could spark some interest, like I have heard that, that Southern California, there's a, um, it's where the Coachella Valley AHL team plays that arena, that arena. They were like looking into maybe doing an in-season college hockey tournament, you know? So I think there's some interest in that area to, to get some college hockey action there. You know, why not um, try for something like this? Obviously it's probably a pipe dream, but fun to speculate and, that's the one thing I like about at least the Schlossman and, and Woden pieces. I mean, it, it drives a discourse. It gets people talking about it. And I, I like that idea. It feels like with Schlossman's piece too, that the Overton window, so to speak of having some change in the regional structure is kind of slowly happening. I mean, based on his reporting, there's more and more coaches that are in favor of going back to campus or at least changing the current setup. Yeah, And I feel like that's in the last few years, especially has changed. And so I feel like there's some change afoot, but I'm not overall confident that things are going to 
know, shake up. Certainly not to the extent that I'm proposing with my <laughs> LA super regional idea, but um, I just like that the conversation is out there and people are talking about it and, and people care about wanting to put the best product out there, whether or not yeah. how you're clashing ideals of neutrality, fairness, attendance, atmosphere, money, all that, like there's going to be winners and losers out of that. And there's no real perfect solution, but I think we should try something, something new. Well, that was the thing I think Woden just didn't address was the money aspect. Um, and I thought Schlossman's article did a really good job of just flat out saying, you know, judging by the reports, this would make more money for the NCAA. And you can say all you want that it shouldn't be about money. Well, sorry, it is. It's the NCAA. So, uh, you know, the fact that Wone didn't even address that point of it or tried, didn't even counter it, um, it is kind of a big stickler to whereas this system isn't working. It's not putting in the dollars for it and you know getting western teams to bid on hosting a regional anywhere is is tough because again it's a minimum of a hundred thousand dollar investment for colleges um to do to essentially guarantee that your team would be placed there and you know not a guarantee that you'll get your money back or that your team is going to make the tournament. That's, you know, as we have seen that there's only a handful of schools that are able to do that out, out West. And especially that we don't have the venues, you know, necessarily for it. Now, if it keeps bouncing back between Sioux Falls and, and Fargo, maybe there's, you know, that's something there. Um, but those are really the only two. Um, and if they're going to keep rotating, I mean, I guess you could have both of them host um, as as well. But it's, I don't know, just not addressing the money aspect, I think, was kind of the, the biggest part of that. Um, and some, some factual errors. I mean, he had mentioned, like, you know, neutrality is great. That's why the men's and women's basketball tournament does all neutral sites. <laughs> women's first round has been on campus for like the last seven years. And why did they move back to campus for the women's first round of the NCAA basketball tournament? Because they didn't draw attendance in the neutral sites. Uh, and so, and even the, uh, which might change the way women's basketball is growing, but at the same time, right. Our attendance isn't growing in college hockey. And, uh, the, I think you've mentioned this, the, um, 12 team football playoff next year the first round of those games are going to be on campus. Mm -hmm. So really the only two sports in NCAA that have new, all neutral site tournament games is men's basketball and men's hockey. Cause as we mentioned, women's hockey doesn't, they're on yeah. campus for the first round baseball, which I always thought is the best comparison to NCAA hockey in terms of popularity. Cause I think like the hockey, they, they got in their heads in the nineties that we have to copy basketball. They got it in their head like we've got to copy the the March Madness, which I don't know if it ever worked in the 90s. And it certainly is not working now. But certainly at this point, now they're the outlier. Yeah. And yes, the the men's basketball tournament is a unicorn. That's you can't 
replicate that. And hockey is is kind of dumb to continue to insist that it's trying to replicate that. Because, again, you're playing in the Blues practice rink for one of your regionals this year. If that doesn't spell failure, I don't know what will. I don't know. Maybe we should hope for that to just sell out and be gangbusters. But for some some something tells me that's not even going to draw half of the capacity that it holds, which I think is like 2,500. It's another one of those funny arguments people always bring up. Hey, Union, you know, if you go on campus, Union, they only seat like 3,000. They can't handle a regional. They can't even handle a first-round game on short notice. It's like, well, we're playing a, a regional in a facility that's at 2,500 capacity at a practice rink. So yeah. I, I think Union could probably handle a first-round game against whatever, Northern Michigan, if they ever make the tournament again. But, yeah, so it seems like there's some that still kind of cling to what is now a fairly old fashioned and out of date idea. Again, if we're hell bent on neutrality, we see what happens. We see what works with the frozen four. And so I'm not saying that that can never be successful, but just the current model seems to not be working. I'd favor some change there. If not just throwing our hands up and saying, let's go back to the old system. But it's a topic that comes up every year. We'll, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more as this year's tournament approaches and next year around this time, I'm sure there'll be another round of articles to go oh. around and, and start the conversation all over again. So I'll see what sort of crazy idea I come up with next year. How about that? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is that it's just for fans. It's so the current system is so hard to attend a game and even exemplified you know, by adding an extra day between. So now you have to find out, you know, what to do for an extra day in Sioux Falls. Sure, it's a lovely town. I'm sure it's a lovely town. That plenty of art and culture there in South Dakota uh, where you'd be able to, to find something. But, you know, it's, you know... You know, I, I get the aspect of who knows if it's a guarantee that it will sell out for for a regional and who knows. But at the same time, at least it's something of a step where it's easier for the fans to get to those games. Because like like me, I'm not going to be buying a ticket to a regional no matter where it is if St. Cloud makes it. Uh, maybe Sioux Falls, but I'm not going to know until... You and know, you went last Sunday. year. Did you go? Did you just go to the regional final? I just went. Or to the did you go to the main? Final. Yep. Okay, so you went to the Gopher game. You didn't go to the the main Cato game. Yep. And that's I was just able, lucky enough to get tickets off Ticketmaster at that time. I didn't even know where my seat was. I just saw two, and I was like, "Yep, that's it." Obviously, it's a small enough arena; it didn't matter. But, um, yeah, it's and that's but because, that's not going to be again, an every year too, thing. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just too short notice, and I think that was a Thursday. Um, it would have been a Thursday sat. So the Saturday, Gopher game would have been a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, exactly. So Thursday. I mean, I had to work. I, I mean, because of Bob. Yeah, you know, exactly. that, that's he, he would have been on Friday if if it wasn't for Bob. So maybe that enabled you to go to the game. Would you have gone if it was on a Friday night? And on short notice, like could you have taken off work and gone I probably could have made it work. Um, but a big, but the big reason was because my parents were able to babysit and take the kids for the night. Um, which ironically 
they were there on Thursday. So my parents actually went up to the Thursday game against Mankato. Um, and then, yeah, they were able to. Uh, so it worked out well so for the Weldies. It ended up working well. Well, I mean, not the game by the end of it. No, but the, the, the attendance, the regional. Stupid. Yeah. I blame Logan Cooley, but. Um, and then also he was just like the pairwise is a good system, but not good enough to determine who gets a huge advantage like home ice. I thought that I was, thought that was, wasn't a terrible point except why is it a better, why is it a good system to select the top 16 or yeah, however, however exactly. many at larges there are? How, how do we trust it blindly to, to spit out the best number of at large teams, but we can't trust it to differentiate between eight and nine, which I agree with that point. I think it is kind of silly to say yeah, it was eight and pairwise and that was nine. So that means the eight's better than the nine. And at this point, that means the eight goes into the two seed band and the nine goes into three seed band, no matter what. I think that's pretty silly. So I agree with that point, but I would extend his point to say, why are we trusting it for to select the entire field in, in general? Yeah. But that's uh, it's like kind of that moving goalpost. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't know how big of an advantage, like the thing about home ice that, you know, the biggest advantage you get from that, in, at least in my opinion, and from what I see is more so about lineup and line matches, which you still get if you're the higher seed anyway, um, in a neutral site, you know, getting that last change is kind of a bigger aspect, I think, than, oh, it's louder you know, or is it literally like the, the, the pro neutral site folks, is it really, I I'm asking, honestly, is it that playing at the Ralph is an inherent advantage than North Dakota hosting at Shields and Fargo? Like, is that a huge difference in terms of quote unquote advanced home ice advantage, whether or not, yes, I know if Shields is in their home rink, mm-hmm. is that, is it, is it that much better that they're not at the Ralph in terms of advantage aside from any money. Cause obviously you can sell twice the amount of tickets. If you're at the Ralph, Let's put that aside. But is the fact that that's neutral, that is not where North Dakota plays its games. Andrew is, is that doing like a selling point for them right now uh, for our, for our listeners. I'm asking, honestly, yeah. do you think that that's like an, uh, they, they think, yes, that's better than them, not than them hosting on their campus rink. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's what their argument is. And I guess I don't really buy that. No, I don't either. But no. well, again, we're in violent agreement yet again. <laughs> in violent agreement and against Woden. So, <laughs> well, I don't think that. I guess that means we're in violent agreement with with the uh, North Dakota beat writer. So, <laughs> I guess the uh, enemy uh, of our enemy is our friend. So, I mean, I'm not in agreement with uh, Schlossman's assessment of North Dakota. So I guess I think that's part of the argument, too, that those that want to stay neutral, I think a lot of it, they just think in their head, we're giving North Dakota an advantage by because (laughs) we think that they're going to be in their the Ralph. It means being in the Ralph in the NCAA tournament, which if you look at North Dakota's recent history, they wouldn't have hosted too many of these first round games last couple of years. So it's not like, yeah, I think that's the big boogeyman is they think it's going to be Michigan and Minnesota and 
and North Dakota hosting all these games. It's like, do you guys realize Quinnipiac's been like number three in the pairwise for like 20 years now? Like they'd be in the mix and Union has been a, uh, a top four seed. It's not the week to say uh, St. Cloud has been a one seed overall. This year, this yeah, they, they took one on the chin this weekend, but they'll be back. But at the same time, like as a college hockey fan, I would love to whoever matches up against Maine. I mean, like Maine right? hosting a tournament would be really fun to watch. Um, you know, so like, like you said, like, I don't know. It's, I, I like I like the idea like the current thing what we have right now like you said isn't working. I, I just like I don't know who according to us apparently there's well, there's a lot out there that are just fine with it. So. Who is who who wins? I don't even know who wins. Like point to a school that wins in this situation in this setup. It's mostly if some if anyone does win it still is the blue blood blue bloods because they're able to put in bids to quasi host these regionals. Penn state can say, well, we're in Allentown and we're calling it the Midwest. Hey, it's not at our campus facility. So, um, it's neutral. Wink, wink. Um, you know, Northern Michigan's not able to do that. Yeah. Uh, Mankato's not able to do that. So, um, I guess the people would say they are Mankato just put a bid in for the X. They can host it. Like, all right. You you are true. Yes, that's correct. They can. Do they want to? Clearly not, because they haven't. We haven't played a, a regional at the X since uh, since uh, Ferris F and State. Don't, don't say it. Uh, but, I was uh, going to say, yeah, the only team that wins is the uh, Atlantic Hockey team that uh, plays St. Cloud in the first round. <laughs> who who cares where that uh, game is going to be at? Um. Oh, it hurts even saying that. Anyway, let's move on to questions. Yes. Uh, TJ Selby, how will we react when we win the regular season championship? We win the Penrose and somehow miss the NCAAs. And it's the gif of Pedro Pascal laughing hysterically and then crying. Um, I... I don't think that's. I don't think that's possible. Going to be possible. It was almost possible in 2013. Yes. Um, where yeah. we were on the bubble and we did win the McNaughton Cup that year. Um. Well, we were what co-champions, I guess technically, but yeah. um, we were the number one seed in the WCHA that year. Um, and we were firmly on the bubble and kind of had to sweat it out. Um, and then we ended up making a run to the frozen four. Uh, if we win, if we win the Penrose, we're clearly going to be in, in the tournament. You'll like right now, field. like, like when we're, like I said, even right now, we're hardly buried. So, so there's no, there's no cause for panic right now. Um, especially with how we've played lately. So I think that, yeah, if, I mean, maybe it's possible. I I don't. See I'm it. trying to think. Like, you would have to crap out in the first round of the playoffs. That would mean losing to Miami two games to none in the playoffs. But like being first place means you're fending off North Dakota. Yes, you don't play them anymore, so I guess that's possible. But then you're probably beating Denver at least once. That's going to help you out. You're you're doing most of. You're taking care of business against the Omaha's, the CCs, the Miamis. So you're not really having t- a ton of bad losses. Yeah. Because either Denver or North Dakota would overtake you in the standings. 
So, I, I mean, maybe that, like, if you win it by a point, that might get you to 10, and then you crap out against Miami, and that drops you to 12 or 13, and then you have some upsets in the conference playoffs. I mean, it's possible. I think unlikely, though. Yeah. I think it's unlikely that St. Cloud wins the Penrose. I mean, that's also true. I mean, but even but I think like, it's more unlikely that they win the Penrose and don't make the NCAA's. I mean, even if we go through, you know, we got like you said, Omaha. I mean, that our next opponent, and they're sitting at twenty. So it's and it, CC's right there too. They're like nineteen. They're I think they're ahead ahead of Omaha in the pairwise. I mean, really, the only dog. I mean, even Duluth got up to twenty four. Yeah, they're at twenty five. Yeah. So the real, the only dog is Miami. I mean, again, I mean, shocker, yeah. uh, but uh, I mean, everyone else got, is top half of the pairwise. Yeah. Western Michigan sitting at 10. I She's mean, at 10. Denver. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I think we'll be fine if we just take care of business. Um, it feels like SCSU is under a lot of pressure to get as many full point wins from here on out as possible, especially after not getting one, uh, against either Delu- uh, Denver or North Dakota, uh, to start the second half. Am I wrong to feel that way? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I think you're wrong to feel that way. Um, I think you have the right to feel that way but I think you're wrong to feel that way. If that makes sense. Um, just because yeah, full point wins in is especially like we let those games slip away from us. And I agree with that. That's frustrating. We hit this swoon the same time last year too. We're, we still got points out of a lot of those games. Um, but like if you were going through and we got six points out of 12, you know, if we split both those series, I, I wouldn't have bad an eye any different. We got four out of 12. Yeah. That's kind of what we were looking for as far as it. Can they rise to the challenge? At least like split these two weekends and they didn't get there, but pretty close. I guess I'll, I'll I'll go a little bit more with the questioner. Like it's different than last year's February swoon where you had built up the equity where you could afford to tumble a little bit or now the margin for error is if you do something like that in February, you're not dropping from three to 10. You're dropping from 12 to 19. Sure. You see what I'm saying? So I think there is a bit of urgency more than there was last year, but that might help them. Like the fact that that will focus the the target uh, and the goal a little bit more. The fact that they don't have any room for error. I mean, let's hope I, that's, that's what I'd love to see. Like taking care of business the next few weekends. Like, yes, please. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and again, I, I was impressed with enough of how St. Cloud was playing, especially on the offensive side the last couple of weekends that I feel like they can take care of, uh, in Omaha. Um, I guess that's what we'll, uh, we'll find out this weekend if I'm right on that prediction yeah. or not, but I'll go a little bit sky is falling. Like you just you, you keep running. I'm thinking of a Bob Seeger song, but I can't. So, uh, um, <laughs> Just keep on trucking. That's the temptations. That's, but, um, that's uh, the Chevy commercial. Or, uh, that's uh, Keep on Trucking's a Grateful Dead song. Oh. I think there was a temptation song called Keep on Trucking, too. Anyway, I, I just bet. win. Beat just, the just, Omaha team. You win, it'll. 
Yeah, yeah. win and you solve all problems. A lot of people get kind of like I was listening to the KVSC guys on Friday and they were telling me about CCs in Miami and boy, St. Cloud would be benefited if CC won that. It's like you just hold off on the opponent's opponent's uh, scoreboard watching. Just win your game in front of you. Like some people get a little obsessed with the – opponent's opponent's uh, reflection of the, of the pairwise implications. Like if you're, if you're really obsessed with that, you're going to lose focus of what's really in front of you. I think just win the schedule that you got in front of you. And that should do wonders. If we got to rely on the point zero 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 one margin of, of, RPI points in order the to Duluth make the Duluth's the only team that gets that kind of ass backwards <laughs> luck. So <laughs> don't hope yep. for that. So, um, and then his uh, follow up was, "Where does the intensity meter go if they split with Omaha?" It's fine if we split with Omaha. Um, I do think we're going to get the lion's share of the points, but even if we split with Omaha, I, I still think it's fine. Again, they're twentieth. I mean, it's not. They're not terrible. They're not buried in the pairwise um i'm more concerned with how we look in those games versus what you know if we only split um if we get less than a split though you know something else is going on it's i just i just want our special teams to be better (laughs) yeah both both power play and penalty kill yeah exactly power play has been real bad lately Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of like the st cloud women's the only one goal over Denver and North Dakota. Um, I think there might have been two in Denver. Not many though. Uh, and in terms of the chances, like the you know, two man advantage late in the game on the Saturday Denver game, and a lot of those like golden sort of opportunities have been by the wayside. And a lot of like the the North Dakota power play goals this weekend are quick ones. Yeah, within ten twenty seconds of the power play. So it's even worse if you calculated by minutes or seconds in this in this case but yeah like i said earlier in the show it's it's not going to sink you it's like the women's team where this st thomas loss didn't sink you per se you're still right there in pairwise competition but it's just more it makes the it makes the the future task that much tougher so again i a split for Omaha isn't going to kill you, but yeah, like you said, how do they play in that scenario? If it's a terrible loss where you're playing poorly, uh, that's one thing. If it's a kind of steel win from Omaha, good goalie. And that's, that's another thing, but yeah, it's not going to kill you, but I would really like to see a sweep this weekend. Yeah. And I'd be, I think I'd be disappointed in a split. Do you think if Western Michigan stays up where they are, but have like a, I don't know, they finish fifth or sixth in the, in the NCHC, like they're going to come up with like a Lindenwood rule. Whereas like, if you, if you play a notoriously bad team four times in non-conference play, like two of those wins get thrown out or something. Along well, those I mean, lines. all four of those wins might not really count in pairwise. I mean, Lindenwood is 60th. Yeah. 60th in pairwise. So I don't know if that is so low. Again, that's not even the Lindenwood is the third worst team that 
Western has faced this year because Bowling Green's at 61 and Ferris is at 62. I mean, terrible non-conference schedule. St. Lawrence, the other one, that's the best of their non-conference. They're 53. at 53. Yeah. So it's possible that they don't even factor any of those into the pairwise. I don't know God. how low it needs to go. We're for all, them to we're just all getting first wilder. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Like, you play them that bad. Like you just play Stonehill 10 times in your non-conference. That way they just won't count. So all the only thing that counts in your pairwise is your conference games. Won't get Wisconsin ruled that way. They wouldn't, but it would sort of from a pairwise perspective, it would be like they're basically 500. I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised they're as high as they are. Yeah. But Yeah. Maybe I'll look, maybe I'll look into more of the comparisons and see what's what's going on there. Um, uh, Dan Jacobson, friend of the show, um, as his Bulldogs are surging right now. Uh, what is your Oscar front runner? And I've only seen one movie. Well, I think that's uh, nominated, and I saw Barbie, and, uh, and I saw the other one, the, uh, the Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. The so, Oppenheimer. The Oppenheimer. It was it's, called The Oppenheimer. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yep. Yeah. It's and it's like it's like uh, the Ohio State. It's actually it's pronounced the Ah. It's gotcha. not just the. It's like it's got like a trademark thing going mm-hmm. on there because he was the Oppenheimer. He was. So well, sure enough. Learned something new. Well, still the same. Um now with the uh, so I, I don't know much about anything else and I don't know, but I, I would say Oppenheimer is going to take a lot because it is a World War II period piece. So that usually kind of gets your uh, Oscar Academy mojo rising, uh, so to speak. So World War II era. Like it's not a it's not a war film. Okay. It's a science well, biopic. But I get what you're saying. Beery yeah. piece in that era is three hours long. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty good. Pretty good bet. Yeah, I a- did see um circling back. I watched all three of the Mighty Ducks films. Oh. <laughs> all right. And speaking of Oscars. Speaking of and Oscars. And Oscar uh, <laughs> get Joshua Jackson that Academy Award. He in the third one. If he would have got he, his recognition from the Mighty Ducks and from Fringe, he'd be halfway to an EGOT. That's right. And I don't and even know what Fringe is. Fringe but... on Broadway, you know, and then you get your Tony, and then have, you know, spoken Fringe. He's a spoken word, spoken word album <laughs> for a Grammy, and uh, a yeah, novelization of Mighty Ducks. Show. He can be a narrator. In the third one, he just becomes a little biatch. I don't really like his character turn. Kind of becomes like a, he's not a real good captain. Like he's just kind of a, come on, coach. He hated the uh, Jeffrey Norbling character. Yep. But uh, and I, I think that was the second time I'd ever seen the third one. So I'll say like the first one is never going to be confused for a, a best picture winner. Wrong. But it's a it's a it's a film. It's a honest attempt. It's a decent, crowd pleasing, somewhat realistic film. The second one from frame one to the end credits is a cartoon and it is camp. 
uh, all the way through. And it's ridiculous. I was surprised at how it was so bad. <laughs> almost, I like the third one almost better than the second one because it's not as quite as ridiculous as the second one. But Bombay turns into a, a clown. Everyone is just a clown in the second film. For kids who want to coach. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sneakers. So bad. Okay. Oh, and then... I... <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, okay, so it uh, came out in 92, so it's the 93 Academy Awards for Mighty Ducks. Um, <laughs> and what, are you, you know, what are you looking at, snubs? Do you know who won Best Actor that year? Oh, that was uh, Pacino's Scent of a Woman That was Pacino's Scent of a Woman So that, that means that category is wide open. That... That totally means that Bombay could have made some headway in uh or Emilio Estevez. You could have you could have had him up there as a nominee. Sure. So he said with not quite a straight face. <laughs> I don't think he was snubbed for D two. And I'm I was surprised at how much he is in D three. I thought it was just like a, a single scene cameo, but no, he's first build. And he's got like three scenes, including like he comes back as a lawyer. To like mm-hmm. win a court case to reinstate their eligibility. I will give it the D3 credit. It got one legitimate gut laugh. I had no, I t- totally forgot this. It's like the beginning of the movie where it's like the dean of this fancy schmancy prep school. And they're like Pretty looking in his office. It's Eden Hall. So I think it's like a mishmash of like Eden Prairie and Creighton Durham Hall. I think it was filmed but, at Creighton Durham Hall. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but um, it's it's so it's like the it's like the dean's office and the, and the team is like looking around and he's got like these framed photos and they're like, oh, look, the dean's a friend of Wayne Newton. And it's actually a photo of the dean with Newt Gingrich. <laughs> it's like I did. I did expect Mighty Ducks to have topical humor involved here, but it actually got a legit laugh for me. But that was about it from there. From when the uh, from Coach Orion came in and he was preaching, you're going to learn how to play defense, 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 defense. And then their first game, they blow a nine nothing lead in the third period and he retains his job. Then it sort of lost me a little bit, but still it was an improvement from them beating uh, Trinidad and Tobago and Iceland vaunted ha- Iceland, international right. hockey power Iceland at the uh, junior Goodwill games, a little bit more uh, believable uh, in that regard, but I had some fun uh, uh, making some old friends watching those films. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that Jason Bryan brought it up and I'm glad that I was able to uh, relive the, uh, the ridiculousness that is, the uh, quack attack. Sure enough. Uh, uh, quick uh, correction uh, that I have to make here. You done messed up, um, uh, It was uh, Shattuck. Uh, but oh, that's where it was filmed. It was filmed at... like their their ice rink too, um, a... which had I will should say worse lighting than Magnus <laughs> at that rink because it was all like pitch black through the entire film. I think actually it was the the ice rink was filmed in Fridley, but like the school scenes were at Shattuck. 
You're talking the third one. Yeah. Because I think the first one, I'm going to say it was New Hope because they had NH. You could see NH on yep. the side of the of the uh, rink. So I think that's where the first one was filmed. The second one was, I don't know, Arrowhead Pond, obviously, uh, shooting on location at the Goodwill Games. But, um, yeah, it's like I said, the first one is mainly grounded in reality. And, yeah, it's not a great film, but enjoyable. And it it does what it does fairly well. But... You start with uh, the second one and to the end where they're singing, we are the champions around the campfire. And then they pan around and Tibbles is there singing along. It got me so good. I was doubling over in laughter. Ah, It's a solid ending uh, to a, to a film. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Jason Bryant, he did. uh, It is Pukwosan um is how you pronounce where he's from and it's an indian word meaning great marsh it's in the virginia beach area commonly referred to as the hampton roads so not appalachia like the yeah yeah, like atlantic like chesapeake bay kind of area so so if chesapeake i don't know chesapeake bay might be like maryland but that thing that's in general mid-atlantic region It was pretty, I want to I want to hear his side of the story too about why his uh audio went out a little bit during the Friday. Yeah. So that was uh that was Yeah, what funny. was it like so you were in the building there. So it was like a how long was it? That span like 10 minutes or so or was it if, more than that? I it was about 10 minutes, yeah. Um and So no I mean the the refs couldn't pipe in anything. Nope. No PA, no music. Nope, obviously, nope. was it kind of, was this kind of weird? Without um, a like, bit, were you kind yeah. of used to that sort of white noise with like the between the whistles kind of music? But you had none of that. Yeah, it was it was a little bit awkward there, but I bet. So, um, yeah, let us know what you did there. You spilled coffee on the on yeah the key right? system, yeah. Jason Bryant. Do you have to jiggle the handle to turn it back on? I think that was probably the issue. Um. In your opinion, uh, what uh, does the record have to be to realistically uh, be realistically for the remainder of the schedule to be in the tournament? Um, you know, again, take care of business. We could probably split the way out and we'll be in the tournament. Eh, I think you got to do better than that. I mean, I hope you will, but. So I mean, we, yeah, we're, we got... we're at 13. I mean, again, a lot of that also depends on is Hockey East going to get six in um, you know, ECAC if they're going to have only the auto bid if, and that's Quinnipiac. If they take two spots, that's going to, you know, so there's a, still a lot of that. You really you got to think 14 and up because CCHA and, and Atlantic Hockey are both getting just one team in. Yep. So that, that narrows it by one. Generally, we're only thinking that with Atlantic Hockey, but. CCHA's face plant this year, you got a that bumps up the cut line. So you got 12 games in regular season Omaha at CC at Miami versus my uh, versus Western versus Denver at Duluth. And then you got the playoffs and potentially the XL. So anywhere from 12, well, anywhere from 14 to 17 games until selection Sunday. And eight and eight, as you're saying, 
let's just say they play 16. They don't go to a third game in the playoffs. Eight and eight would put you at 19, 15, and four. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That might be not be enough. I'd say let's get 10 wins. You can even count overtime results in that. Get to 21 wins versus like what you it. got. I mean, you got, as you mentioned, these Omaha and CC games, like they're right 19, 20 in pairwise. Those, if you win three out of those four, it's good results. You yeah. Maybe win a majority of points against Western. I mean, you swept them already out there. You win a game against Denver. I think it's doable. Yeah, very much so. So, and especially, I would say you got to do better than 500, though. I'll, I'll put the bar at that. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but you have Omaha, um, you know, obviously coming up at home. CC on the road, that's going to be tough um, with how they're playing. At Miami, should be six points, but sometimes Miami is a thorn on her side for some reason. We'll have some head scratchers there. Um, but, you know, earlier this year, we were able to, you know, it was a, a three to two win against Miami before, you know, coming back a, a six rip uh, victory. So, um, and with CC too, I remind you, have not lost a regulation or overtime win since 2013. It was the WCHA. So it's been a long, long winning streak for the Huskies out in CC. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean squat, but recent history would tell us that they do fairly well out there. The altitude but, does not affect them yeah. out in Colorado Springs. But at the same time, those those CC teams were very bad. <laughs> this is true. Whereas right now, they seem to be kind of on their way up. Certainly better than they than they have been. Oh. But, so you that's know, not going to be a pushover. Western Michigan, who we both think is overrated, that's at home. Denver, at home. Uh, so, I mean... The bulk of our tough schedule, um, you know, Duluth, not with the rabbit's foot up their butt yeah. this year, seemingly. So, so it's right in front of you. Yep, go exactly. and take it. So, just take care of business. Um, and then was there one more? Um, uh, what have you thought about the men against uh, top ten teams, ten-ish teams? It uh, seems to me uh, fast teams like DU and North Dakota has given us struggles, but we found ways to dominate stretches without scoring that much. Do you see adjustments being made in time for the NCAAs? Uh, yeah, like I, I think Denver is a much faster team than North Dakota and especially on the four check. And I think that's where maybe sometimes Denver gets caught a little bit with their defense is because they like to push the play so much. But I think that's where St. Cloud has a lot of trouble when they are being pressured so much by the defense in the forecheck. I mean, Dominic Bassey took a penalty against Denver. So it's, you know, that that's where I was surprised that North Dakota kind of hung out in that one, two, two trap so much um, where they didn't really push the play and, you know, I think Huskies, their breakouts and everything, and we're able to enter this zone fairly easily at times five on five. Sometimes during the power play, we like to turn it over um, for some inexcusable reason. But, um, you know, like it, I wouldn't say that North Dakota was that much faster than St. Cloud, but 
they were um they were just a lot more opportunistic and yeah. and i don't you know as far as like skating wise i don't i don't see there's a lot of i i guess i'm not too concerned about it in that aspect because even against denver for a lot of that series too we still i think we outplayed them maybe i'll play them as a little bit harsh but like we were right even with the saturday them. game yeah yeah so yeah i mean top 10 teams in pairwise Huskies are two two and two so getting four having four points getting points in four of those six games uh actually not too bad that's probably a reason why st cloud is still within the pairwise gate yeah is good results against those top 10 teams. Yes. The two wins are against a Western team, which we've spent like 20 minutes this show <laughs> saying how overweighted we think overrated we think they are, but, and, and in the two losses, really only one of those games of the six against these top 10 teams were that we're considering, were you really outclassed? And that was the Friday game at Denver. Mm-hmm. And really that one was just, the just second one period, period really. Yeah. And so I can take the, uh, something out of that, that, yeah, I think you were able to hang with them. It's just not being able to finish. And as you said, North Dakota capitalizing on opportunities more so than the Huskies were able to capitalize on North Dakota's mistakes burns you for this last weekend. So the top 10, the record versus the top 10 is probably a plus in their resume. It's the getting swept at Mankato and the St. Thomas and, uh, Alaska losses, those are the ones that are hurting you yeah. at this point. Yep. So. Exactly. And they'll continue to hurt you. It's that you get, but you can't do anything about that at this point. All you have to do is, all you can do is go at, go out and take it. Yep. Yep. Just, just, just to bring it all back, just, just turn the page. Right. So, uh, at about does her. About Dozer. This episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. You can find me at Twitter at More Clappers, M O A R, More Clappers. Andrew? Andrew at greenground.net. And also Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. You can send me an email as well. And I'll send you one back. Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!